Good evening. Welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast, a podcast dedicated to giant monsters and Japanese fantasy. I am your host, Kyle Bird. And I am Matt Parmley. And uh, we have a couple guests with us today. Uh, Matt, why don't you do the honors of introducing the other voices that will be heard tonight? We have our frequent... uh guest host mr kevin derendorf of kaiju for hipsters and the mazer patrol blog and then a first timer uh josh greilich who's joining us and kevin had recommended that he join us for this episode i guess uh he said that you knew more than about ava than than he did or something like that josh so that's a pretty high recommendation from kevin who seems to know like everything about anime he's like our our anime guru so welcome to the show well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I'll, uh, I hope I can live up to those expectations. <laughs> Josh was the person that showed me these movies. So, you know. <laughs> we're, well, we're, I, well, I guess we'll talk about it. I, were you like me and you were just kind of like holding off out of just <laughs> disinterest <laughs> for a long time? A little bit. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, you know, I, I think once we kind of get into just how we feel about this whole experiment of the rebuild of Evangelion films, which is our topic, by the way, for anyone who, uh, for whatever reason, didn't read the, the episode title. Um, but yes, um, uh, because, yeah, I, I, I was one of those people that, like, just kind of, oh, they're remaking it? I, it, it well, I, I, I got into Eva later than a lot of people, so it was like, I, I got into Eva probably around the time the second movie of these came out, so, like, I was late to the the ship there but um since it was they were in the middle of doing these when i they like i was hearing like oh they're remaking it and they're like on movie number two now and i was just like i why and you know my disinterest kind of just lingered there until in my in my idea i was like okay they're doing like one of these every two, three years, whatever. So since I'm already two behind and the next movie is going to come out in like a year or whatever, I'll just wait till all four are out and I'll just watch them all together and experience it all as one thing. Uh, that was in like 2007 or something. So, <laughs> so uh, that is kind of what I did. I, I, I mean, even after all those years, I, I just, I never really felt the temptation or, uh, or had the curiosity to go back to them, and then when the new one was out, I, or like I don't know, around the time it was coming out, uh, coming out in Japan, I was like, eh, I should probably, um, <clears throat> I should probably just watch these and and get it, get it, get through it. Um, and also this year, uh, a buddy of mine, Joseph, 
uh, Schaefer started his an, an Evangelion podcast, um, the Human Instrumentality podcast. People heard those guys on our Shin Godzilla anniversary episode. Um, which, by the way, uh, if you want like an actual true breakdown of all of the movies and all the ep- all the episodes of the show. Uh, I would recommend listening to that because those guys really get into it and, and they're smarter than we are. <laughs> and we'll, uh, but, but uh, yeah, when they started doing the rebuilds, I was like, okay, I'll watch and, like, I'll watch the movie, listen to their episode, watch the movie, listen to their episode, and then a couple weeks later, part four was on Amazon, and that was that. But, uh, so, how do I, f- I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get into how I, if, whether I feel like I made a mistake or missed out on anything during that 10, <laughs> that 13, 14 year wait or whatever that I, that I had. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk rebuilds. Um, so, uh, it's been quite a while since End of Evangelion, which is where, um, you know, the franchise left us, and where we left you in our Eva talks, which was also the first, uh, episode we, we record with Kevin was the original Eva, um, so, uh, I guess a lot has happened from, uh, 1998 to, what, 2005 or whatever, whenever the first movie came out. So, so, um, we're at Studio Kara now, we're not at Gynax, um, so, Kevin, I'm gonna hand this to you, since you're, uh, our anime guy. Um, so, what, what happened to Gynax? Uh, why, why Kara, why, why split in start studio Kara. what 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 what's going on here uh well sounds like there's there's been a lot of problems with uh with gynax over the years you know uh they've been getting in a lot of legal trouble too yeah so i mean we left off in 1998 and then in 1999 the president of gynax and their accountant both uh got arrested for tax evasion and, uh, and, and tax fraud or something along those lines. And um, they got into a lawsuit with uh, ADV Films at a point because uh, ADV was supposed to have rights for a live-action Evangelion movie that uh, they, I guess, they, they backed out of or something along those lines. Um, they were, you know, Gynax set up its, its own, like, spin-off company called Fukushima Gynax, and they got into a lawsuit against each other. Uh, and, uh, and and as that's been going on, they've also been sort of hemorrhaging ta- talent in that um, you know, Hiroyuki Amaishi, who did Panty and Stocking and Gerd Logan for them, he went off and he formed this studio Trigger, who you would know from the uh, uh, 4S Gridman series. Uh, but uh, you know, other things like Kill a Kill. Uh, but then, you know, Hideaki Anno, who was uh, one of one of the founding members of, of Gynax, took a whole bunch of people, and he also, you know, sort of left uh, and uh, informed his own studio, Kara. Uh, Kara uh, is the Greek word for joy. Um, and, uh, you know, he took Yoshiyuki Satomoto and Shinji Higuchi and a couple of other people with him, basically, uh, to, to form this new studio. And since then, they have also sued Gynax. And it's just <laughs> been, it's not been pretty. Uh, meanwhile, you know, like, Gynax continues to be in the news for scandals like, uh, you know, 
there was a, trying to co- coerce their uh, their voice actors. Right. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. Know, that's what I was. Things. I was reading about that the other day. It's insane. <laughs> so yeah, and 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 the the art has not been great. What's come out of Gynax basically since the since these schisms, the the output has not uh, been anywhere near the level that it used to be. So they keep keep sort of threatening to do like another, you know, do a sequel to old properties that they still have the rights to, like the Wings of Aniamis and uh, things like that. But uh, I'll believe it when I see it. It's 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 real sad, sort of to you know. But uh, this is this is a company was sort of built on the backs of of fans and fans are not always the most um prudent business people so <laughs> you don't think you don't say <laughs> yeah so so Kara is this sort of spin-off uh company that uh that was founded by Ano and 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 company um uh you know Ano is kind of the the head honcho there and then Kazuya Tsurumaki is probably the most known uh, director that's that's kind of uh, working on things there, and they've done a few things here and there, and I think we'll probably get to them when we talk uh, <clears throat> talk about the grand scheme of things. But uh, the the rebuild of Evangelion has really been their uh, their crowning achievement if you look at their whole like filmography or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and and you know it's it can't be understated how much of just a pop culture juggernaut it's. Evangelion has become since you know 1998. I mean, it's uh, everywhere. There's Evangelion trains and Doritos, and I mean, it, it's 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 like Star Wars level of merchandised <laughs> in Japan. Um, you know, it, I, I I don't have any numbers in front of me, but as far as how much money it's made people, I mean, it's got to be like a multi-billion-dollar franchise at this point. Um, yeah, the I mean pachinko sales alone are uh, sizable, and and people don't realize sometimes how much you can actually make on that. But if you look at statistics and be like, wait, Vista the North Star has made more money than the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no oh. merchandising will do that. I did a quick I did a quick Google search, and I, I presume that this probably isn't up to date with the. Most recent movie, but yeah, they're estimating sixteen point six billion dollars. Okay, so these guys are ha- have made a lot of money. <laughs> um, so, uh, so the rebuilds um, are uh, a remake slash reboot slash sequel <laughs> to the original Evangelion. Um, if anyone doesn't know why it's any of those things i mean you will by the 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 time this is over um but why do this in the first place and there's like quite a few more reasons than you would think as to why this decision was made um first of all you know anno was saying uh that you know he was struggling to come up with concepts for a new film and and things like that and all all the ideas he were having were already very much like eva uh he wanted to also make uh kind of a more streamlined and uh less confused confusing uh and less i guess uh weird more a more mainstream version of the story um 
you know, a less confusing version, whether he did that, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about. Um, uh, and that did require some sacrifices, of course, doing these as movies, you know. Uh, it pretty much insists by nature of what it is that every character almost except for like shinji gets sidelined and and we'll talk about about that but you know that's part of the ad- adapting it um but he also wanted uh evangelion to be like the way that he wanted it to be you know it's no secret that the last two episodes of the show are the way they are um not not because they ran out of money which is the common narrative but they ran out of time you know and i think we covered this on our original episode a couple years ago you know the 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 that gas attack in japan had had really kind of just put everything on a delay and you know deadlines had to be met and so the last two episodes are weird and you know abstract and then you know uh after that there was um End of Evangelion, uh, which, you know, was him working out some stuff, too. Some psychological things, I think you could say. Um, so so I guess he, for whatever reason, felt that it didn't end the way that he wanted it to be. So he wanted to make Eva the way he, wa- he wanted it to be. He has all the time and money, uh, a bunch of fancy new technology... Which, speaking of, uh, he had felt anime had become very stagnant and new styles should be explored and new methods should be explored more than they are. Um, So, you know, using a property as famous as Eva would give him a chance to work with CG and 3D and motion capture and virtual cameras and all these fancy tools. Um, uh, Also, like I said, there's a lot of reasons here. Um, His, his, I know projects after end of evangelion you know they hadn't been all that well received uh either um and this was basically a way for him to also you know uh fund his new studio kara you know take this giant franchise that we own and do something new and yeah you're gonna drive a lot of money in um some other things to consider, compilation movies being a, a common practice with a lot of properties that Anno loved, you know, Gundam, Across, Galaxy Express. Um, so uh, they, they justified uh, a movie version of Evangelion, so yeah, it would be um, easier on the audience than having to rent a whole, a whole series, you know. Um, uh, so... So there's another thing right there is kind of going for, okay, how do we hook in new audience members, you know, and give them an experience uh, where they don't have to rent, you know, I don't know, (laughs) 20 VHS tapes or whatever. Um, And I know actually, you know, originally he he kind of wanted to have a more hands-off approach to the development, leave a lot of it to uh, Suramaki, who we mentioned earlier, but he kind of pro- progressively took on a new role. Um, but, you know, these, this is an idea he kind of had kicking around um, since about 2000, um, uh, you know, to kind of help get his new company off the ground and, and things like that. Um, uh, <clears throat> and... Um, like I said, originally he wasn't, I don't think he 
wanted to be as involved as he he was um but you know a lot of uh talent that he was asking you know didn't they they pa- they they passed up his offers you know i i'm sure there's i don't have any names but i know there were people that he um reached out to other creators but you know they they didn't really want to deal with <laughs> this undertaking um so that was another thing that led to him just kind of um doing it on his own uh so yeah there's like a billion reasons for why i guess he felt this was necessary and um we'll we'll kind of get into whether or not those were misguided or some of maybe some of them were some of them weren't um but anyway let, let's uh kind of get into the movies for 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 now on so the first evangelion one which is uh you are not alone in 2007 um essentially it is like a beat by beat remake of the first four episodes but uh I'm going to throw it to Kevin to give us a little plot synopsis, and we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit about the film. Yeah, so um, if you've seen the first six episodes of Evangelion, you're pretty close to having seen this movie. Uh, it's set in the, the far-off future year of 2015, uh, and uh, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, 15 years after this uh, catastrophic uh, world-changing event, um, the the second impact, is, as it's called, uh, which is uh, in, a, in a little bit of a difference from the TV series. It appears to have killed all the life in the ocean. Uh, but uh, you have your main character is a, is a teenage boy named Shinji uh, who has been summoned to Tokyo 3 to do something for his father and uh, as he gets there, a giant monster attacks. Uh, he gets picked up by an escort uh, for the military who basically tells him, hey, that giant monster is an angel. Uh, I'm going to take you to where your dad is. He goes to where his dad is. His dad is like, hey, I made this giant robot. you got to get in the robot and, and fight. And he's like, no, I don't want to. And then his dad is like, oh, you're useless. Well, if you don't do it, this other pilot will. And they wheel out this other pilot who's also a teenager. She's a, she's a girl named Ray. She's all beat up, so he's like, Ugh, well, fine. Uh, I can't let this, this injured girl do this, so I will get in the robot. He gets in the robot and fights this, uh, this first angel. Uh, then we get uh, some, some hijinks as he adapts to his life as part of this like a secret military science patrol team. Uh, uh, another... Uh, angel attacks he fights it he makes friends with some of his classmates uh and uh gets to know ray a little bit better and the movie ends with the the third angel showing up and they have a big complicated uh operation where they have to uh they have to godzilla versus hetera electricity from all over japan in order to uh, shoot a beam and, and destroy it and, th- and that's basically the movie yeah, it's uh, it's uh, very very similar. I mean, a lot of it is like practically shot for shot. You know, those first I, I think I said four, but yeah, I think it's more the first six episodes of the show. Um, yeah, there there's little differences here and there, and uh, that's kind of where 
you know that that's going to lead us to a bigger discussion of the, of the series itself in that there are things like there's big like chalk outlines on the ground of where a, a monster would have been killed off and, and and sort of like outlined except it's not clear if monsters have attacked previously in this version of events or not uh, and there's a there's a character that shows up right at the end it's, it's kind of like a post credit scene uh, who has not met Shinji yet uh, in, in this version of events but says that he's looking forward to seeing him again uh, so that's uh, that's interesting i don't know if we ever got a satisfactory answer for for what that was all about <laughs> uh well i guess based on what they established in the later movies i i guess like that's i guess that's the point in the timeline where he wakes up and is like okay time to go do my thing we'll get into kawaru he's a whole deal is it the <laughs> we're, yeah we're 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 gonna have to open we'll we'll t- we'll table that for now because that's a whole deal to get into um yeah i mean i don't know how much any of us really have to say about this one just because it's it's so similar um i i, I guess i the one thing that is as someone who's seen the original series a few times um because i mean i i think regular listeners of this podcast know like the original evangelion is like my jam like it's one of my favorite shows of all time so having seen that so many times and then watching this version i don't know how apparent it is to people like who are normal and probably haven't watched it as much as me but like i was almost immediately thrown off by like how much more i guess grounded and normal all the characters seem um like they're mild differences but they aren't like but, like, I, it was weird, because it's just not what I'm used to. Like, it's not so much that they're all super happy, but, like, they they kind of seem to... Everyone seems way less miserable. Um, which, I prefer my Evangelion characters to all be terrible people who are just permanently miserable so um so yeah it was it was quite an adjustment we really get into that in the next one um where everyone is like i where like in the middle of it i was like okay everyone is like people need to stop being so normal like it's weird and and, and, (laughs) yeah i was gonna say although actually in the in the in the you know if we're talking about conceptually the idea of like oh we're trying to sell evangelion to a wider audience maybe they Maybe that was an intentional move that they were trying to tone down. They were trying to tone down some of these characters' idiosyncrasies to be more uh, more palatable to a right. wider audience. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I agree, though. I do think that is one of the things that makes the original Evangelion Evangelion. Yeah, it's, 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 how, yeah, it's how part of why functional everyone right. is. It's it's part of why you either love it or you hate it. You're gonna love it because everyone's so miserable, or you're gonna. Hate it because everyone is so miserable. I, I I tend to love that about it, but um, yeah, it, well, it, 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 and yeah. There's there's something there is something that I think is actually in its own right, kind of in a realistic way, sort of ingenious about how how vehemently Shinji initially rejects, you know, piloting the Ava, and particularly the fact that it keep, he keeps coming back to that in the series. That you know, for you know, for a season, the person who's watched a bunch of shows about you know kids getting in giant robots and just getting over it and you know becoming the big hero and whatnot, 
him being dysfunctional and, you know, everyone making all these jokes about, you know, Shinji, you know, being a wuss and all that. Like, I feel like Shinji's reaction in some respects is more realistic, honestly, than than people people give it credit for. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And so even even though it's like, oh, yeah, everyone's everyone's crazy and dysfunctional in, in some respects, Shinji's, Shinji's reaction to the entire situation for someone to be completely uninitiated to the reality that he's suddenly facing... I mean, is it that is he that crazy? That's kind of what I'm like. It, it seems like it's more crazy for him to accept it so quickly. Yeah, <laughs> but, everyone in this movie is like so nice to him too. Like, I, and I think this might be part of like where the title comes from. But like at the end, where you know Shinji is like, I don't know if I want to get in there and everything, and like everyone's like, like he gets that pep talk from like the whole bridge crew. They're like, we, you got this, bro. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why is everyone being so nice in this? I'm not I'm not used to this at all. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because like the, the reason I like this movie is is for the opposite reasons, Bird. I, I don't like miserable Shinji. I find like he's and I realize like that's the point, but God, I hate him. I hate him in the show. There's so much just misery and inability to do anything ever. And so like because especially the first two movies. Like they give these characters so much more agency while still retaining some of of the um, dysfunction that they have. Like I like this version better for that. So it's kind of like you said: you either love it or you hate it for that. Me, I, I hate the original take where Shinji is always miserable and every character sucks. And this one, they're still bad. They're, they're still very flawed people. They still suck, but they have the ability to make their own decisions it feels more believable and for me like the characters are significantly more relatable and i think that's especially true for the next movie they're not miserable I, yeah i i will say yeah i do think so I, I made this i made i just made this defensive you know shinji in the original series my personal opinion i like both i kind of i was sort of seeing particularly when i watched this first movie um because I, I did see it not too long after it had initially come out because i had already watched the original series at that point um, that I kind of liked the idea that it was, oh, okay, so we're gonna do, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna basically take a, a different spin on these characters in essentially the same story, and, and so like the idea is we're gonna, we're gonna basically revisit the story, but here's how things will play out differently because the characters are just a little bit different. Like there's, it was sort of like. Uh, for the people catching the details, it was like, oh, can you will you pick out the subtle differences yeah, between the original and this? You know, Shinji definitely has more like initiative, like he has more drive. Uh, you know, but yeah, I, I I I think you know it's half you know making it easier for normies and half. When Thanks. the original, when the <laughs> shut up pleb, uh, when, when the original was made, he was like in the throes of this like deep manic depressive existential crisis, and you know by all, by most accounts, although he is gonna, we will get to another public meltdown that he has. Uh, by all accounts, you know at, at this point in time in two thousand seven, you know he's pretty. He's doing a lot yeah, better. Yeah, he's he's doing all right. He's doing a lot yeah. better. He's doing a lot better than you know when he was um, when he was drawing up the scenes in End of Evangelion where he's he's um, you know posting all of the um, all the death threats that he was receiving for the uh, the original uh, last two episodes of the series. He was doing all right. He, he was doing, he was doing good. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you know this this is sort of general smoothing over, and you see that in in multiple facets. Like the angels no longer have individual names; uh, mm-hmm. they're just yeah. all just angel. Yeah, yeah. The, everything everything is kind of like a straight line in 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 this one. Um, but I did, yeah. I mean, I I guess um, overall, I mean, it's solid enough. Uh, it's definitely it definitely looks more expensive you know the the i think the in this one the integration of you know 3d animation and stuff is is handled relatively well i think um and uh but yeah i mean it's entertaining enough it's just you know in 2007 there's two years between this and the second one in 2007 i'm sure a lot of people were walking out of the theater like i mean people that were already fans were probably just like okay <laughs> oh, oh. I, I think if they were already fans, they were probably excited. <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. Well, also it's Anno, and you know anything he does is automatically amazing and genius and the best thing ever because he has that like kind of Zack Snyder, Christopher Nolan cult like <laughs> audience. I say that as a fan. I I like Hideki Anno, but. Uh, yeah, everyone, everyone really kind of, you know, he can he can sneeze and put his boogers on film, and people will <laughs> think it's the best thing they've ever seen. <laughs> oh man. Um, and yeah, you, yeah, you know, uh, Ramiel. Well, I guess it's not called Ramiel in this, but uh, still, still around, still screaming uh, geometrically. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's the same as the show. I don't. I, I mean, I really don't know how much more there is to to say about this. So I'm I'm ready to get into number two. But I mean, we can go around the room and kind of uh, you know say how many uh, screaming geometric shapes <laughs> do you, do you give this out of five? I I would go three, just because it's like yeah, I've seen this and okay, <laughs> I would go with three. It's fine. I loved it. I was at four. It's it's a better version. This is like my preferred version of of Ava. So I, this first movie, I loved. Oh, you know this it. this one has more product placement because there's like Doritos and shit everywhere. So <laughs> yeah, um, I love Doritos, man. <laughs> so oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but no uh, no uh, no smiling Gendo with a with a shaved head uh, Ray standing next to him. Wait, that wasn't that it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, how many how many bags of Doritos <laughs> um, do you give this, uh, Kevin? I'll give it uh, three out of five. Uh, I, I guess cans of uh, Kirin or, or Ebisu instead of uh, Boa juice, and they, they they cut out a geek reference. That that's you know a deduction against them. <laughs> but but right. uh, yeah, I, I like some of the animation, and especially there's a there's a training sequence that's uh, that's really neat. That was. Uh, kind of new for this version uh all right josh wrap uh, wrap us up on eva one all right so this this was probably i think this was a pro a solid three which you know i think was very good right up until there was the part where the two positron beams warp each other and it was one of the coolest things i'd ever seen in animation so uh, yeah it bumps up to a three and a, three and a half that, that that positron the the the, the things like uh, they, you know they're positively charged they're like opposing yeah oh, it was beautiful it's beautiful 
All right. Well, two years have passed, and uh, from what uh, it's, it seems like things are are pretty normal uh, <laughs> still. Uh, so let's get into 2009's Evangelion 2. You can not advance. Um, Matt, uh, give us a little detail on, uh, you know, what went into this and, um, uh, you know, give us your, your best synopsis. I think I have you on this one, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have it now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, actually, okay. Our, our outline says I have to talk about Mari before we do the synopsis. So, so tell us a little (laughs) bit about what's going on, uh, uh, with, I guess, I guess some of the how it was written originally and how how it changed. Well, this one was going to be more of a beat-by-beat remake, kind of like part one, but um, Suramaki, the director, told Anna, like, hey, you can't just make films by summarizing the TV series, which, you know, that's fair. Um, And that kind of started the process for multiple (laughs) rewrites and changes, one of them being, like, Asuka being the Unit 3's test pilot. Yeah, in the yeah in the original version, it was going to be like the show. It's going to be Toji and and yeah, Suramaki was like, why are like, can we at least do something different? Nano was, I guess he was just like, uh, oh, sure, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then that that's probably part of what led us down the the insane path that gets progressively crazier. Um, uh, so yes, uh, I ha- I guess. Now is as good a time as any to to kind of. This is like the white elephant or the pink elephant. I think I did this on another episode too. I always say white <laughs> elephant. That's like a gift exchange thing. This is the pink elephant in the room with the rebuilds. That you know, it's like let's just rip the bandaid off and get right into it because I. It's like my least favorite thing about this whole thing, and that is uh, Mari, a new a new uh, a new pilot character. Um. <clears throat> Mari was uh, basically the producer. Um, Toshimichi Atsuki had requested that they write in a new female pilot character. Um, you know, uh, and and you know, j- just in general, they were like, "Oh yeah, sell you know. those figures." Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, merch, of course, and and then you know, I guess they they were like, okay, you know, that's one thing that can help differentiate us from the show. You know, uh, you know, really kind of get this new character out there, and um, uh, you know, I guess that they like most things that we'll talk about. A lot of the things that. I we'll we'll get into Anno's creative process, but um, yeah, a lot of the decisions he makes, just in general with the rebuilds, you know, is is, and you get this by watching, you know, the the documentary on Amazon, the NHK one that just came out. Like, he's not so much into the idea of if things make sense or if they really benefit the story. He he just wants things to be what quote unquote interesting. Um, and he'll tell people to make things interesting and not really, everyone's like, what do you mean? And he's just like, yes. (laughs) 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 And we'll, we'll get, uh, there's a lot to say about that when we get into part four, but Mari, uh, so yeah, the producer's like, Hey, get a new female character in. And they're like, okay, sure. Um, and, uh, 
uh, a little myth busting because I think with the way the fourth film ends, I've seen this like everywhere. It spread like wildfire. This idea that Anno created Mari based on his wife, and that's why she doesn't have any problems. That's why she's perfect and you know she's not uh traumatized like everybody else and uh why you know the ending of the fourth film is what it is uh again that's tabled for later but um you know i all all it took was a little nudge from kevin who was like hey i found this and then i started googling and then like i got into the whole creation of mari none of which has anything to do with anno's wife um and and in fact and uh, you know people are like oh they both have red glasses it's obvious blah blah but Anno actually left Mari's character design to uh, Yoshiyuki uh, Sadamoto who's designed a bunch of characters and uh, d- did the manga and kind of gave them free reign um, and was like yeah you know design a character whatever like show it to me when you're done oh that's it okay so um. Uh, and, uh, you know, originally she was, uh, supposed to be covered in tattoos. There was a sequence where she was seen getting out of a bath and covered in tattoos of animals. And I guess the idea was each one was, um, supposed to represent a pet that she had that died in her lifetime. Maybe I, I, she's terrible at, at having pets apparently. Um, and she was supposed to come from this distinguished, uh, English family. Um, but yeah, w- with Mari, uh, again, it, it no, it, Anno, Anno said he wanted to use the, uh, the request to make this character as a way to quote unquote break Ava. You know, I'm gonna break Evangelion. Uh, he told that to the staff and he was telling that to the writers, like, we need this character to break Evangelion. This character needs to, like, destroy Evangelion, and everyone was like, what does that mean? And he was like, "It's don't worry about it, just do it, and everyone was like, okay. Um, and, you know, she originally didn't have very many scenes, but Anno kept pushing writers, uh, the writer, to include more scenes, try to have her, you know, more prominent. Um, at one point, she was gonna kind of have more of an Asuka type of relationship with Shinji, um, and yeah, d- despite Anno wanting her to break Evangelion, um, which I-, I think he probably did, maybe this is what he meant the whole time with the ending to 4, um, you know, the writers continuously struggled to find a purpose for her that, that made sense or made any impact on the story, um, uh, and uh, just everyone was really just kind of felt like his direction was was very abstract with what to do to her and um uh yeah i mean and and a lot of that is just i think that's evident in all three movies that she appears in she's just kind of there and uh you know she she always kind of feels like someone was like oh, we forgot, we have another pilot, duh, and then, like, you know, just kind of wrote in some scenes with, like, a, a Sharpie or something. Um, and, <laughs> and, and really, it's like, not only did we have another pilot, also, she's basically the best pilot out of everyone, yeah, and why weren't yeah. we just using her for everything? She's the best pilot, and, uh, the you know, the camera lingers on her, uh, you know, her, her features, you know, uh, she talks about how she has big boobs all the time. Like, you know, the camera's always, like, like going up her butt and stuff. And, and I mean, and, and I mean uh, that's, you know, that fan service thing that 
a lot of anime ha- has and suffers from. And, and I mean, Anno seems. He's always hey, kind of had remember, a. Remember, we are promised. We are promised fan service at the end of every single episode <laughs> yep, of the yeah. original TV series, and, and that obviously generates you know money and merchandise and interest from you know teenagers. But Anno has always kind of had a weird, ma- pervy like male gaze kind of thing to his his stuff. I just watched uh, Gunbuster a couple months ago, and uh, there's that part in the finale episode, which is great. It's a great episode, but. Um, where uh, the main character, like, I forget, she she's basically, like, having the robot do, like, the thing that's going to save the world. And, like, her shirt rips open and her boob falls out. And I just started laughing. I'm like, what? what so, why is, so, why is yeah, this happening? Yeah, there's like a, yeah, there's like a reactor inside <laughs> the robot's chest. And since the robot mimics her movements to rip the reactor out, somehow that required her ripping her own shirt off. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so as, as, as much as I'd like to believe, you know, that, you know, maybe some creepy producer was breathing down their neck like oh yeah give me give me more of those creepy shots you know i i think i just think he he is a perv (laughs) i like anno but come on (laughs) he's always done this um but yeah it's it's since the release of the fourth movie it's actually gotten to the point where mari um anno's uh uh or uh God damn it! She would be so mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Mayako, Anno's wife, kind of publicly said, "Like, I I like that you guys are digging the the movie, but like, please, like, stop saying that this character is me. Don't stop comparing me to this character. Like, it's making me uncomfortable." She was like, "It's. I'm glad you dig this movie, but like, it's weird. Like." I'm not this person. Like, <laughs> stop doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it, it was it it was people that have worked on the movie. You know, the staff and um, you know, uh, Gynex uh, co-founder um, Toshio Okada. Um, uh, I guess. Um, yeah, well, that was really what sort of sort of really started the whole talk that. She was based on his wife. Was, Is that like, where it he started? Posted on his YouTube, right? Yeah, and then and then they had to uh, they had to kind of fire back at him, and they they were like, uh, "We haven't talked to Okada in like twenty five years or something. He's never met Mayako, um, and uh, you know, but everyone believes him, but the, it's not true. Um, you know, she she said." Uh, um, the Mari has glasses, and she has the libido of uh, Suramaki, the director. I don't know what he, what they're, why. I don't know why they said that. Um, That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you're not making this better. You're not making this better. Yes. At that point, it's like, okay, you should just stop talking. <laughs> Um, and they said she has glasses and she's strong. She could have been in an anime like FLCL. You know, I, I, she's she's not. They, they were just like, no, it's not true. So we had to nip that in the bud, and I, I think, I mean, are, are you guys all on the same page with me that Mari basically adds nothing but obnoxiousness and I wasted Mari sucks. <laughs> wasted <laughs> screen time? Yeah. It's, not, it's, only, it's, not only is Mari bad, but she in later movies just starts cannibalizing Asuka scenes, and it plays a very large role in Asuka basically being a bit player. Yeah, it's not getting sidelined. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's first of all, I think it's it's hilarious that her name is Mari Illustrious. 
but uh, but Mario Illustrious Iscariot apparently. Yeah, well, well, yeah, we'll have to get in. Yeah. We'll get into that reveal uh, two movies from now. But <laughs> yeah. I got some I got some stuff to talk about for there. But But yeah, there's 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 interviews actually during the production of the fourth one where they're like, Yeah, we don't actually know if she'll be in this one or not. <laughs> like, they, they hadn't actually it's had her in the bizarre, fourth one. Like, oh hilarious. what could have been. Yeah. Um it's so frustrating. <laughs> so uh okay so we're all on the same page with Mari and I mean we there's there's more Mari talk yet to come so uh so put a pin in that and Matt let's let's uh let's hear it let's hear what's what's going on with uh all right. Ava I'm going to do my best to give the uh I'm going to do a cliff notes version and I'll let I let you guys or or, or uh, you idiots as I affectionately call you um <laughs> to fill in the blanks thanks Oscar <laughs> Uh, so the, the movie kind of opens up with Mari using this provisional Ava unit to destroy an angel at uh, this at the Bethany base, which I'll have some some bits on that a little bit later during this episode. Um, and then you have the sequence from the the series where Shinji and uh, Gendo visit Mom's grave or, or Shinji's mom's grave, Yui. And then you have a bunch of angels that kind of show up. Um, one thing I really like about the second movie is there's a lot more attention given to kind of Ray and developing her as a character. And she's planning like this dinner party and trying to bring everybody together, which all goes to hell. But there's a lot of what I think is pretty thoughtful character development there. Um, and then you have Asuka who basically, instead of Toji, she's piloting, was it unit three or whatever? And, uh, she gets hurt and that causes of course, Shinji to, to do the thing where he leaves nerve as it, as it was in the series. Um, and then you kind of come to the end, right? And again, I'm kind of giving you the cliff notes. There's there's other angels that kind of show up and they're battling. But during the last sequence of the film, there's an angel that's fighting um, Ray, and the angel basically absorbs Ray. And so Shinji decides to go after her. And essentially, what happens is Shinji defeats the angel, but by chasing and trying to save Ray, he essentially initiates the, what they are they now call the near third impact. Uh, and then there's an end credit scene where you see a spear coming from, I guess, the moon or whatever, space, that essentially stops the third impact from, from fully realizing, which is what kind of leads up to the third movie and why things are very different at the opening of the third movie. There you go. That's, uh, that's movie two. Yeah, it's um, it's basically the same as, you know, I guess where the show picks up, except... Um, you know, Asuka's introduced differently, and she fil- she fills the Toji role of being the 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 pilot that gets foobard. <laughs> um, which on- which honestly, I I thought that was an interesting choice. I, I actually like that that choice. Um, when I when I first watched this like a month or two ago. Um, I was, that's, that's the first time in the, in the first, the two movies where I was like, oh, okay, they really are kind of mixing it up and, and going somewhere different with it. Um, and then, yeah, the, the last 20 minutes or so is just like, okay, I guess we're just throwing everything out the window. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, because that's when we have like a third impact that we're doing this early. Yeah. And... I was like, whoa, okay, we're already there. All right, let's, wow. Um, and uh, and not only that, but, like, the whole way the third impact goes down is, like, 
in my head, I'm like, wait a minute, it, Shinji just got really mad and, like, did this thing, and that's what starts it? It's not, like, this convoluted, you know, guy puts a, a monster in his hand and puts it into a, breaks his hand off in a girl's <laughs> body that has to go in it and morph into, morph with Lilith and create a giant thing that also, you know, uh, uh, creates the 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 tree of life and allows uh shinji to become god like that's not what happened okay he all right he just wanted to say way man um and yeah so when it ended i was like oh wow like that's the first time i was like true that's when i like got excited and i was like wow okay that's quite a curveball i'm really interested to see where they go from there, because I now have no idea what to expect. Um, whereas, yeah, after the first one, I was like, okay, I, what? Uh, yeah, it's the same thing. And then most of this, I'm like, okay, it's the same thing with different stuff. And then at the end, I'm like, uh, wow. Um, uh, so before I pass it on to to uh, you other folks, uh, there, yeah, there are some things in here that just I I, I did not like. Um, Apparently, this this movie repeatedly wins fan polls as, like, the favorite Evangelion thing, movie, show, whatever. It's, like, everyone's favorite. And uh, this is where, I guess, I, maybe not among you guys, but I guess if there's, like, hardcore Eva fans that are in line with that, this is probably where I, I might have to depress some people, but... Uh, I think I think I know why, and I feel like this is going to be a big problem when we get into part four. I think um, this is feels like Anno trying to give fans what they want instead of making the thing that he wants. You know, we have uh, all the all the all the hits are repeated. Um, and, you know, suddenly Ava's, like, with, with Mari, you know, she can, you know, Ava's are doing this cool, like, oh, they can go into beast mode now, and, you know, and, and like, they can grow, her, hers can, it, it can grow extra arms, and it's like, isn't that cool? And it's, it, it seems like the kind of thing, like, fan fiction writers, or toy designers, or people that aren't, sincere it, it it seems like stuff that they would come up with it it's it's something two kids with action figures make up on the playground it felt like to me and, and that's just kind of an encapsulation of where i think the movie kind of goes wrong is like it does all these things that make no sense and it's like okay why does this why does this exist you know <laughs> and and, and I'm kidding. I have a question, Bert, because you were talking about like this. It, what made you excited at the end? Then, because it sounds like you're pretty down on the second one, which uh, is what I, I mean. Uh, well, well, the 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 ending because it was it was the first time I was like, okay, they really are okay. Third impact happens in a completely different way. Um, I think in this one we we I, th- I think we see it in the, this one and the second one, but but we see that you know pi- pilots seem to be kind of interchangeable. You know they don't have to be with the, the, the in the Eva with their mother's soul or whatever. And you know I was like okay, well this is throwing the okay so that it's okay so it's sinking in. This is they're rewriting the rules and the, what I think 
the rules of Ava are, that's all out the window for me, and that's exciting. <laughs> uh, and of course, as as we've talked about offline, that I'm not sure that that commitment follows through the next two films, but that's th- those are the things that worked for me. Um, but yeah, where it didn't work for me, where it was like it was like okay, this is I'm going to try and just make everybody happy, um, and um, I don't know. I'll, I'll kind of give you guys the the chance to kind of just give your get your thoughts overall on the movie out of the way. But uh, I think this is probably uh, after you guys kind of give your your general statements. I think Kevin is. Do you want to do it? You want to break out the. The, the myth-busting hammer again in a few minutes? Uh, sure, with with regards to, to which piece of it? Or? Uh, with, the, the, <laughs> the Anno likes to piss people off myth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah. we can talk about that. Yeah, um, but, but, but yeah, let's uh, let's hear from uh, you and Josh first, just like, I, I don't know, how you feel about the movie, your, your, your pros and cons. I, I had not actually considered this, but I mean, I do think this is my favorite of the rebuilds, and in terms of being a, like, overall coherent work that feels like it was kind of planned from start to finish in itself, like, in a self-contained way, I, I can understand, because it doesn't it doesn't go off the rails in the same way that, like, the end of the TV series does, or the end of Evangelion does, so I can understand Those two certainly. things are perfect, you shut your mouth. <laughs> All right, go on. <laughs> yeah, why? Why it uh, could you know have have a lot of appeal to to some people? But I think there's a lot to like in it. Uh, that said, I I have you know little little grumbles here and there. I think that there's definitely some pieces, like you said, that feel very sort of like, oh, this is this is specifically just for the fans. Like you know, there's there's a piece where like Kaji is sexually harassing Shinji, and it's like this scene exists just so like. <laughs> People yeah. can go write fan fiction about yeah. it. Yeah, that's exactly right. LOL, Kaji's like, so crazy. Yeah. Or what was it like the scene? The scene where like Mari puts on that one plug and says, "Ah, it's too tight around the chest." Yes, yes, we know, we know. Yeah, and then they put her in that weird like, uh, like bra, like plug suit bra thing. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it does a lot of things like that. Uh, also, also. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, you do. You know, you were still, you were still. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing I'm, I'm kind of not wild about is the new angel designs. Um, the because they they did, you know, sort of change things up and do different things than they had done in the TV series at this point. Um, the the one that was Zarel is pretty close, but a few of the others are completely uh, like the the angel that when Oscar first uh, appears. Um, that that's redone completely from from what it initially was and, and is now sort of like a big walking teeter-totter type of thing and i'm uh, not not big on on those or you know a few of the few of the action sequences seem like uh you didn't have to go quite that over the top but you know that kind of uh is a thing that gets perpetuated throughout the remaining movies as well mm-hmm. and exacerbated for that matter but yeah, yeah. Yeah, the oh hey, you know we're not fighting, we're not fighting the the sea monster angels. So now that we've lost, you know, the shots of Unit Two jumping from you know aircraft carrier to you know battleship to you know battleship, you know uh, we got to we have to do something other, you know, something equally crazy. We need to like you know drop, you know, Unit Two from the largest 
you know, helicopter ever built or whatever, you know, and, and have it, all of its weapons falling along with it, you know. It's like, did, did you have to deploy Unit 2 that way? It doesn't, doesn't seem like that's the most effective way to do that. Yeah. You know, Unit 2 being transported by aircraft carrier in the original series actually, like, makes sense because it's so big. This movie has literally three different Evangelion pilots introduced by falling out of the sky. <laughs> Good point. Didn't think about that. Uh, what was I going to say? So I, I think I'm in agreement. I think I'm in agreement with Kevin in that this is my favorite rebuild movie. Um, I don't think it's the best. I said I don't think that it it surpasses necessarily anything that it is aping from the original series. But I think in the context of a movie, um, there are some of the changes that they make are incredibly clever ways to compress the story in a way that you don't lose important details like. Uh, you know, it's been it was already mentioned before, but the choice to the choice to swap Toji out with Asuka for the Unit Three thing um, is actually kind of brilliant because the reality is is that in the setting of a movie, you do not have enough time to to develop Toji's character, and you need to care about the character that is getting smashed up in Unit Three. So they say, okay swap in Asuka, because even though Asuka's been introduced in this movie, there's at least enough history there that you know what's going on, right? Number one, I think that's a great change. Um, uh, number two, the angel, the angel, like, the angels that they decided to use, particularly the last two in this movie, compress again, a pretty important storyline into um, into a format that works in the in a movie like format. You've got three angels for your like three acts of the movie, right? Your first act with the goofy the goofy spider angel, you know that Oscar fights. Your second act with the betrayal and the dummy plug system and Shinji leaving, and then your third act with the last angel, um, you know that you know uh, that that you know you've got the big the big showdown with and. Furthermore, um, with all of the things that kind of come out of nowhere, that kind of do start in this movie, like the stuff with the beast mode, totally agree that stuff. That stuff adds very little. The thing with the the provisionary unit five being this thing that doesn't look anything like an Ava at all that Mary's driving at the beginning. You know, like none of this. Like this is not like connecting. Like, like one of the things that's good about the original series is that there's like the technological progression in its quiet own quiet way makes sense, and in, in this they start making it not make sense. And that's not good. But what was actually really clever was the third impact happening the way it was initially seems like it's this total out-of-left-field curveball. But based on the lore, it actually is totally plausible because of the fact that it was Unit 1 specifically. Because Unit 1 is essentially a clone of Adam. And Adam was the key to the third impact. Adam, you know, was it the angels coming in contact with Adam, we were always told, was the key to the third impact happening. So the idea that Shinji would invade the angel to try and get Ray out is this thing that um, everyone on the ground around does not realize is as big of a mistake as it is. And so that's why everyone's like, go Shinji, go, go get Ray back. And like, meanwhile, Zele is like in the back going, yes, you idiot, go do, <laughs> do our dirty work for us. You absolute moron, you idiot, you know? Um, and then the third impact happens. And yeah, it's like, Oh wow, we're already the, we're we're doing the third impact. We're only halfway into this movie series. What are they doing with the next two? Like, I was I was that that was me. That was exactly where I was at. Like, oh wow, 
this is going to be wild. I love, I love where this is going now. This is like, this is like, yeah, this is the curve. This is like the curveball in the dirt, and you're swinging, you know, swinging over the top of it, going, "Wow, what the hell just happened? What's next?" Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I actually, uh, upon reflection, I, I want to table the 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 Anno troll. Uh, debunking for the fourth movie because I like where we are right now and uh, um, yeah I mean I there's the, there's good in all four of these uh, you know there, there's it's a mixed bag but um, yeah I mean with the second one I the the stuff I like I really like and the stuff I don't like I really don't like so it, it kind of you know things cancel each other out and i'm i'm gonna probably go with like a three and a half on that one because i do like it more than the first one this is my favorite of the four movies and and i'm a bad ava fan because i like all the stupid stuff that bird was saying i shouldn't like <laughs> like I, I like all the dumb weird choices to add extra arms and do the fan fictiony stuff i think the the animation the battles are a lot of fun but actually what I like the most about the second movie in particular is the character building. And again, this is like one of those things where I probably like it for the wrong reasons. But the relationship building between Rei and um, and Shinji, it, it feels genuine, real, dynamic. And like it really pulled me in. And then by the time you get to the end of it, it like it's Shinji making the wrong choice. He's trying to save Rei and he explicitly states like, I don't care what happens to anybody else, but I am going to save Ray. So he's making a selfish choice to save her, but you believe that he has a real connection to her. And I just like, I really appreciated the, that part of it. And I also appreciated the dynamic between Ray, Asuka and Shinji, mm-hmm. that kind of vying back and forth for attention. I can't say that about Mari. Mari still sucks, <laughs> uh, but I really love the, the, the character development. And it's like, this is by far my favorite. Um, I'm still going to give it a four because I do think all the criticisms that Bird talked about, like those are totally there and they're valid. Actually, there, there I, is some more stuff that I, I want to touch on that does kind of give this, you know, that extra half star bump. Um, I I really like the first, uh, like the first act, like when they're on that field trip to that aquarium where it, it, basically, you know, like the series, the ocean is like LCL now after the second impact. So, um, there's this like environmentalist, um, bent to it. Like Kevin said, like, um, uh, he kind of alluded to with the last movie. Like, I know, I don't know. He got on some environmentalist kick, uh, and I guess apparently cause you know, there's uh they go to this aquarium where, you know, they're, they're, these conservationists trying to convert the water back into blue water and, you know, try and preserve what little, like, sea life is there. So, you know, the kids, uh, you know, they, they see a turtle for the first time, and they're like, whoa, like, I didn't think turtles were still around. And stuff like that is really cool, like, world-building. Um, and, of course, that, you, you that know... That was my favorite scene, too. Oh, is it because it's a Gamera joke? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, just, you know, little, little things like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, Shinji being like, I, it smells weird, and Kaji's yeah. like, yeah, the ocean's supposed to smell like that. Well, I, yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I was drawing the, because, you know, in, in um, the Gamera trilogy that Higuchi worked on, we should mention Shinji Higuchi worked on all these, you know, he's Anno's right-hand man, but, um, you know, in that universe, there's that thing where, like, turtles are, like, mythological creatures, they don't actually exist, so... Um, uh, so yeah, I think that's kind of a deep cut 
Gamera thing. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really like that. Um, uh, Kaji's talk with Shinji is pretty fun, even though it's like, yeah, he's... It's like what you guys said earlier. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, that still happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, there there are like little touches here and there. Um we we didn't mention like there's an entire subplot that is like this sitcom esque attempt by Ray to like adorably cook a meal for Shinji and sit him down with Gendo and you know and of course that, you know, can't happen. Uh, because of how things go down in the third act, but you know, it, but yeah, like Ray is like super nice and like normal and has and has emotions in this. It's like what this is weird. Um, but yeah, that's like what I said. Everyone's like. More, yeah, I was going to say normal. I actually forgot to mention that. I, I, I was thinking there was a. Yeah, well, what I was going to say was that that there was also the scene in the original series, or the story in the original series, the class president, whose name I can't remember, who likes Toji, was going to make the was going to make like the dinner yeah, for, for everyone, yeah. Yeah. and then Toji's not there, and he gets and he gets you know he gets smushed. Um, but um, to put it delicately, uh, <laughs> uh, that. I kind of like how I feel like that was probably inspired by that, but they kind of transformed it into something else. Yeah. Like, like you said, it was, they did, I thought they did a fantastic job of creating a lot more intrigue and like, um, and maybe intrigue's not the right word, more empathy for um, Ray's character because of how much more human they made her. Um, mm-hmm. This idea that's like, well, just cause she's a clone and like, "Quote unquote" doesn't have a soul doesn't mean that like she's incapable of having a personality, and I think that these these first two movies did a really good job of actually sort of like attacking that idea. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's I I really like it. Although of course my preference is for all these characters to be like miserable sacks of shit. <laughs> but but you know if, if you if you're gonna if you're not, if you're gonna put a, a new spin on Ray, you know I I think that's the way to do it. Um. So, who didn't give ratings yet? I don't uh, think Kevin Josh and yeah, Kevin and Josh. Uh, so, what what do you guys want to give this out of five? Uh, five, I don't know. Five creepy kajis. I'll give it a. I'll give it four. Um, music cues from the uh, man who stole the sun. <laughs> I um yeah, I'd say that I'd say that this I would have normally had this probably at like a four point two five or a four five, but yeah, the the Mari stuff and some of the goofier fan fictiony stuff, like the beast mode, that drops it to a uh a uh four uh extra unit two arms out of uh five. <laughs> um Alright, so we're gonna jump ahead to two thousand twelve. Uh, Evangelion three, you cannot redo. Uh, which I, I this is. I mean, they uh, could have. They could have redone. <laughs> that well, yeah. Th- this is uh, probably the most contentious of the four films. Uh, it'll probably be the most contentious among the four of us. Um, but yeah, so uh, this was actually originally going to be set. Th- it takes place fourteen years after 
the second movie. Um, it was originally actually going to be set in those 14 years, and it was just not going to even have Shinji in it. Um, but Shinji thought that would, or Shinji, uh, Anno thought that would be weird to not have a, a movie with Shinji in it, and so that's why the the story picks up when he wakes up. Um, Anno has said that he uh, he he has the events of those fourteen years written out, and as of recently, he's already saying, "Oh well, maybe I'll make a movie about those fourteen years one day." Um, so, uh, Josh, hit us up with uh, a, a, a plot breakdown here. Okay, this one is a doozy. Um, so, uh, let's see here. There we go. Uh, so, so, yeah, obviously we get to the end of the previous movie. You know, Third Impact happens much earlier than and much differently than in the original series. So here we are. Boom. Shinji wakes up. It's 14 years later. Unit one is in space. Um, gets picked up by gets picked up by this this Ava ship. Apparently, um, everyone hates Shinji forever because he did exactly he he did what everyone was cheering him on to do. He asks why. No one gives him a straight answer. Um, no one gives a straight answer. He said, "Hey, wait a minute. Why uh, why does Asuka why does Asuka look exactly the same as she did 14 years ago? They say, curse the Ava, shut, shut up, don't ask any more questions. Um, then Ray shows up, and they're like, wait, but Ray disappeared unit one. Uh, that's probably curse the Ava, too. Um, no. Uh, so Ray shows up in unit nine um, and swipes Shinji away, takes him back to Nerve. We find out that this, you know, this these... This faction driving the Ava plane that uh, Misato is in charge of is this offshoot organization called uh, Wild Willy, whatever. Ville, Ville, yeah, Ville. Yeah, yeah. In any in any event, uh, they're like a counter nerve insurgency. Um, nerve, we are not. You know, we get back to Nerve headquarters. It's nothing but Ray clones, Fuyutsuki and, and Gendo, but somehow they've managed to construct. Um, a new Ava. Um, it's Unit 13. Everyone watching the movie asking themselves what happened to Units um, 7 through uh, 7, 8, 10, 11, and 12. Um, and that Shinji needs to pilot, needs to pilot this robot with uh, Koaru, who showed up in the previous movie to stop the third impact by throwing the Lance of Longinus into Unit 1. Um... So if uh, any of this sounds like it doesn't make sense or was out of order, uh, well, congratulations, you are experiencing the same sensation that everyone else had watching this movie. Um, there's a scene in which Shinji and Kawa are playing piano. Um, that was for the fans. Um, they get in the giant robot um, because uh, Gendo says, Shinji, I promise you that if you take these spears out of, you know, out of... Um, out of the out of the giant body thing that it'll undo all of the apocalypse stuff that the third impact did and uh, he's piloting the robot with Kawaru and he pulls out the spears and Gendo was like I lied and actually is creating a fourth impact but we're not going to call it that um, this is the you know and then and so then everyone jumps into action and and then and Kawaru apparently was also fooled so he's like oh Shinji I'm going to help you stop 
I'm going to help you stop the fourth impact that's not called the fourth impact. And they they stab the they stab the spears back into you know unit thirteen and and um, uh, you know and Kawara's head explodes and uh, and the, and the apocalypse kind of half happens again and then the, the the trio reunites and they're like boy what a long strange trip it's been in the credits roll um so i i i can predict where this is going <laughs> so i guess i'll just go first so everyone can can do what they do, need to do. Because <laughs> um, I'm probably going to be off sync with a lot of you. Um, so again, I, I watched these in the first three. You know, I waited a couple weeks for, for four. I watched these in rather quick succession. Um, which probably throws me out of the experience a lot of people did you know i wasn't waiting for years to to get a new thing it was just like oh i watched part two i'm gonna watch part three um and as someone that like i was really riding a high off the very end of two like i said the whole like okay the rule book has been thrown in the trash what are they gonna do um, and I had known nothing about this movie. I, I mean, in, in the nearly 10 years it's been out, you know, I never looked at any spoilers, never looked at any fan reactions to it. I just, okay, this is the third one. So I turn it on and like, I was like Shinji like the whole time. And I was like, what the hell is happening? And it was, it was such an off-putting and uncomfortable two hours, and I loved it. <laughs> I loved that I had no idea what the hell was happening anymore. I, 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 I it, it was so un, it was such an uncomfortable experience after the very comfortable experiences of watching one and two like back to back. And that's when I was like, okay, we're finally rewriting the mythology. We're finally in something new. And, like, th all the mysteries they brought up, I was really digging. Like, you know, uh, okay, why are, wh like, why aren't, why aren't they aged? It makes everything feel so weird. And, like, I, I it's, it's kind of hard to put into words why I appreciated it so much, but it was like, it was just such a wild ride for me that I was, I, I you know, I, I mean, I only watched it the one time, and, you know, I'm, that's why I'm kind of contextualizing the experience I had with, with watching the previous movies and kind of where I was at, at each point in watching the, all, all of them. But it was kind of like, it was almost kind of like, a, an itch finally kind of being scratched because I was like, I, I don't want to just see the same thing with little variations and, and stuff like that. You know, I, I, I get that part of the point of the, this whole thing was to draw in new fans and all that and, and whatever. But you know, for me it was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting bored with this. And that's why the end of the last movie and riding into this one and just being thrown completely off was for me like an experience that I, I I was like okay I needed that um 
And, I, you know, I, I think this is kind of very much, it's like, a lot of the things it brings up and whether it was successful is also depending on how the following film does or doesn't pay it off. So, you know, so that that still kind of puts this movie in an uncomfortable position of raising all this new shit and then, like, not knowing where it's going. Um, But, yeah, no, I I just really, I really liked that they were like, you know, the rule book is, is, you know, set it on fire. Let's get nuts. (laughs) And and so, that's my take. I I sense that I'm, I, 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 I... I, maybe I'm alone here, but, you know, I, that's why I also wanted to go first, so you guys can all tell me why I'm crazy or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally am there with you, but it's it's the same problem that, like, the J.J. Abrams mystery box stuff has, where, like, mm-hmm. intrigue is good if there's actually an answer. Well, yes, and and I... I... I I think this is tying into something that I think we're going to bring up when we talk about just the whole endeavor. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but but just to respond to that real quick, that does bring up a glaring thing with all of these, and maybe especially part four, is that when you stand back and look at all four of these, it, it becomes very clear that they didn't really have a set path from film to film. And so, yes, this movie is like the mystery box movie, and it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do with the, the the mysteries in that box? And then you get to the next one, and it's like, okay, you, you and it's like, okay, you, you wrote yourself into a corner. You, it's clear you didn't, you, you didn't know what you were doing. And, and that's something that, you know... Let, we'll get back to that when we talk about how the whole experience stacks up. But um, so yeah, no, that's a valid point. But I, I I I think that you know just evaluating the movies on the individ on their own individual merits. That's also kind of where this one works. But in the grand scheme of thing, yeah, your things. If you just take all four of these like one big movie, you're right. It's probably like where things start to fall apart. If I'm making sense, I'm sure that's a very complicated and convoluted answer, but I'm sure no, that Anna would have it no other way. <laughs> well, no, I think I think that's a good way to look at it because I think I think that in hindsight, I think a lot of people would have felt better about this third movie if um, the final movie had really brought the whole thing back around, had delivered on thematic elements that were set up by it. You know, had some had some answers to some of those questions that felt like proper answers and not just more questions. Yeah. Um. I, I think, I, like I said, I think, I think that as a setup, this movie isn't necessarily bad. The problem is that it it really starts diving really hard into what the last movie just completely embraces, which is this idea of, um. Uh, just being, just like being almost intentionally obtuse and inaccessible. Like it, it, it kind of like I said, it really starts diving headlong into what I felt was sort of the worst parts of the way the TV series ended. In that, like I've read synopses and analyses, and I've rewatched the TV series several times, and I have now pulled out, you know, sort of like pulled out, sort of like where the main, what the actual meat was on the bone, and like, oh. 
that was actually really interesting. That was really good. Why was it buried under all this all this you know BS? Where I'd have to dig so much to get to this relatively simple core, you know. Um, and it's just because it just it feels like at times it's just at at times when Evangelion is at its best, it has this really strong emotional core, incredible spectacle, and um, at the heart of it all, relatively straightforward answers to its questions. When it's at its worst, it's really you know bogged down with like techno babble. All of the explanations are really complicated, or they're just not really given at all. Like a really important question will be just answered with techno babble instead of actually being answered. Um, and uh, and like I said, I felt like this movie this movie really started to die sort of dive headlong back into that sort of weird navel gazing from that that period near the end of the original TV series, you know, the episode 21, the episode 21 to 25 zone, which a lot of people have memory hold. People forget that that whole big deal with the big fight where, you know, unit one goes berserk and, you know, eats the angel and, and like Shinji does the 400%, you know, synchronization and like loses his physical body. Like that was not like two episodes before the finale. That was like five or six episodes before the finale and everyone just forgets what happened in the interim because it was, well, you know, it was <laughs> kind of forgettable and weird. This movie is my least favorite of the bunch. I was looking back at my letterbox and I gave it a three. But, like, kind of giving it some space and some time to digest, I, I think I think I like it less than that, to be honest. And I think I, it's kind of the opposite of Bird, where, like, I can't view this movie as a thing unto itself because it, it you know they do the whole thing about the aging well what's the answer well it's just because it's the curse of the Ava I'm like well what does that okay they just didn't want to have to you know make them look any different well, is the, that really I, the real reason is more abstract and not literal and and that's that the idea is that the, the Ava pilots mentally are are, are anno they're, they're stuck in perpetual uh, adolescence. Yeah, the, the Ava, the Ava, the presence of Evangelions slash the presence of Neon Genesis Evangelion prevent them from advancing. There's probably some real people that we all know that feel that way. Well, well, I that's that. I mean, that that's and we'll get into this. Like a big part of Anno's struggle, like as a human being, is like, and his wife. I mean, people in that documentary say it. His his uh, you know mentors from Ghibli, like they're all like, yeah, the guy is. <laughs> The guy is they're they're like yeah the guy he cannot grow up he he's a, man, a he's like a, a man child and and so you know I mean that's also part of why you know the 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 fourth movie has this big theme of like what does it mean to mature and grow grow and and what what do, what does it mean to be in a become an adult and you know and so yeah I mean Anno is not so much a literal storyteller. He never really has been, especially when he gets all you know um, abstract and surreal and and stuff. But but I mean, there's your answer. I mean, narratively in the story, it's weird. But like I said, I mean, Anno's Eva's style of storytelling is is more what's interesting than what makes sense. And I mean, I, that's the explanation. You can like it, you can not like it, but but that that is that that is why they 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 don't age. That is the curse of Eva. Is these pilots are they they suffer from arrested development just like Anno who But of course, yeah, uh, yeah. it's like it, it's it's the, the funny thing about it is it's like yeah, I think 
I think conceptually there isn't necessarily an issue with it. It's just that in the context of anime, almost specifically, there's so much baggage. There's <laughs> yes. so much baggage that comes with that. Oh no, these all these characters just perpetually look like teenagers. Wink, wink. You know, you're just like <laughs> again, yeah. really. And even like I said, even though, even though I think that that from a um, from a metaphorical perspective. I actually did like I, I remember getting to the end of the fourth movie and thinking, okay, actually like for all of the dumb explanations of what this is supposed to represent, this is like borderline acceptable. The problem is seeing borderline. I think it was good. I think that was a good explanation. I just think that again, there's just there's just way too much baggage with that entire concept of of characters being of this sort of like you know characters being like eternally young, and particularly with like the hypersexualization of all the characters, particularly the female characters yeah. in this series, it's like ah yes, more of this. Yeah, Great. that, that, that that's anime. like a plague of it. like anime yeah. suffers from that. Like just as a medium, uh, anime has a really bad problem with that. I, like it's it's not good but and i don't see that going anywhere <laughs> away i guess you say, i guess you could say that it had major vibes of the uh hideo kojima tweet regarding the whole thing in metal gear solid 5 when people were mad about the character quiet being like um you know like running around in a bikini with a you know sniper rifle and he says something along the lines of like he says something along the lines of like oh you know those you know, when you find out what the reason is for her attire, you'll you'll be ashamed of your words and deeds, or something like that. <laughs> and, so, and then, yeah. Then, of course, in the end, it was like, yeah, no, this was just fan service, man. Just own it. <laughs> so, so, so speaking of of Anno not advancing, I think that this is is interesting because, on one hand, it's entirely new territory, but on the other hand, um, can you can you maybe think of any other time that Anno's had something with a, a, a giant robot with two pilots with sort of a nebulous sense of scale and uh, and and characters that don't age? Uh, your gunbuster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And has, has Anno ever maybe done something with the you know characters on a big ship that's sort of like a flying submarine? And uh, yeah, this, yeah this, there's Nadia, elements yeah. of this that are. Yeah, very sort of like greatest hits of of his previous work, not specifically Evangelion, but kind of pulling in from from Nadia and Gunbuster, which I'm I think better is, than Evangelion. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> it's it's okay. I agree. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I it probably isn't going to fool anyone to hear me say this is my favorite of of the four. Uh, it, it's the only one that I feel like feels like a truly progressive work out of this set of films, where the other ones seem like weirdly transgressive, and in in a franchise that's known for being uh, transgressive, you know, it it it, it kind of makes the other ones a little bit less even less satisfying in my opinion um but no i i mean uh, i don't know the, the i think i think we're 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 a little more on the same page than i thought um but uh well matt what aside from you know the the curse of ava stuff you know what what else i guess that's, that's, uh, what what else didn't jive with you i guess yeah. is 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 my question i don't know that because of the way that four is handled, like, you know, the whole collar thing, right? The way mm-hmm. that that's resolved yeah. at the end of four is like, why even bother? And again, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. The way the, that they, 
they did write themselves into a corner. I also feel the bond between um, Kawaru and and Shinji is like it it doesn't jive as well for me as say Ray or Asuka. Okay, I was gonna say I was gonna say compared to this is one thing that I do think. Kind of it fixes. exists mostly in the minds of the fans. That's yeah, sort of, well, yeah. I, I, I do think that this gives more to that than the series where they bring him in for one episode and <laughs> it's like you know they they like love each other and are best friends and it's like you know that's really not an arc that you can do in one episode. So it works as like a Shinji character study thing but as as like a relationship that's that never worked for me in the series and there's a little bit more to chew on you know a good deal of the runtime is him hanging out with kawaru you know so so that's actually something i think is kind of improved from from the show it's improved from the show but it's not it, it sort of pales in comparison to what came before it and again what i liked about the first two movies is actually the relationship dynamic and here it's a it it to me feels a tiny bit more forced and then i they write themselves into a corner with how a lot of the stuff carries over into the next film so like you can't i can't evaluate this as like a standalone thing because it it doesn't necessarily stand alone in the way that it ties into the next film's events and so like it's definitely my least favorite yeah and and i hear what you're saying about the kawaru stuff and i think in general i don't know if film was the right format to take this because like i said at the beginning and and you know the the create the you know anno and the writers you know have talked about this like the the big disadvantage is in doing these as movies you pretty much have to just make them about shinji's journey so misato who is my favorite character in the in the show is like just get shut down. Where's her story? Yeah, where's her story? At Ritz, poor Ritsuko. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor, Ritsuko, poor Ritsuko. Ritsuko like, does not exist. Yeah, what, one of the most. Yeah, what, probably one of the most nuanced characters in the show is like she's just stands around she's the science person <laughs> who doesn't have a story yeah <laughs> you know she gets a new haircut that counts right <laughs> it's, hey, it's yeah, the it's best they can do character progression yeah That's yeah how time skips work <laughs> So so yeah, I, I mean, so the Kawaru thing is again, you know, it's a casualty of of that, you know. Yeah, over compression. It's like yeah, where where compression seemed to be more effortlessly executed in the first two movies, um, it, the third movie really does suffer from the compression a lot. And I think part of that, I think part of that, I wonder if that is a is a um, casualty of the fact that it's like this is a new story that now has to fit the smaller times, you know, the smaller time slot. Whereas in the first two movies, a lot of that stuff was based off of existing material. So you could be going through there and go, okay, we didn't, we don't need this and we don't need this or this or this, but we can still get the general gist of all of, of like the entire thing, even with certain elements missing. And of course, part of that too is, is that even at 26 episodes, the original television series has, um, bloat is not is, is a terrible word because there's really only a couple episodes that are truly like complete waste of time um, that are like truly filler episodes but like as a 26 episode series it is something that in today's in today's anime scene could have been executed in 13 episodes it would have felt a little fast um, but they could have done it yeah. there wasn't necessarily it didn't necessarily have to be 26 episodes but back then 
that's how long anime series were if they were only going to be a single quote-unquote season, right? They, they were 26 episodes, you know? Yeah. That you didn't, you didn't really have... You didn't have TV anime running for 13 episodes back then. That was pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, yeah, just that... that, that in, in, in some ways, though, that's sort of the charm of the original, though, that, that sort of decompressed... That slightly decompressed storytelling gives you a little more time with the characters, which is why the fact that like everyone is everyone is like crazy and dysfunctional it's like it delivers really hard really well on that because you have a lot of time to like build up these build up these crazy people and then have them all like break down spectacularly and have a, a decent amount of time you know dedicated to every single character just slowly losing their yeah, mind yeah yeah you know um and yeah there's obviously there's just no way you could pull that off in a movie Yep. Not the way, not the way that they broke down like every major character. I mean, like you know, even even Masato like completely breaks down in the you know original series. It's like mm-hmm. you don't get anything close to that in the in the rebuild because there's just there's no time. There's just it's not possible with that runtime. Yeah. Um, and yeah. this, like I said, this movie, I think also this thing, this movie almost tried to turn back into a little bit more of that psychological stuff. And it really sort of was glaring as to like, well, that lack of time really makes this a harder sell. And so, you know, you know, Mari and Asuka, you know, like, what are they really doing in this movie? They're just so like Misato has like changed a whole bunch in these 14 years. Um, they keep like alluding to this idea that like Asuka has changed a whole bunch, but mostly she's just like gotten kind of cold with Shinji and like just follows orders and doesn't seem to really have much will to herself. I was like, is that character development? I don't know. <laughs> you know? Got an eye patch. You got an eye patch. Yeah, I do. Uh, for as much as I dislike Mari, I do find their dynamic in Asuka and Mari. I find their dynamic in this movie to be pretty fun. Like, yeah, that was a plus. Yeah. I, I did. I did feel like that was the closest that it felt to Mari actually belonging in this series. Yeah. Um. And, uh, but yeah, but I mean, like, oh gosh, Ray Ray Q. Is like after all of this progress that we made with Ray's character, it's just such a massive step back in terms of characterization. Like that character's just barely there. But admittedly, admittedly, they totally saved that in the fourth movie. We can get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So I mean, uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and get our ratings done because there's there's a little more to get into here. Um, like I said, my favorite one. I've said why. Um, I'm giving this a four out of five. Bruh. <laughs> uh, so I get I I gave this a three on my letterbox for the sake of the show because of how I feel about the next movie. I'm actually going to give this uh, a two and a half. It's not it's not like I hate it, and it's not like there's not anything good there. But I certainly don't enjoy it the way that I enjoy the first two, and, and the way that I feel about the fourth one. So. Uh, I'm- I'm also going to go with a with a two and a half, just because um, we we haven't really touched on this so much. But like the the action sequences in this, I was not as uh, as into as I was in the previous mm. uh, ones. Just you know the the first uh, ac- I mean, there's basically two big action set pieces in the thing. The first one, it's it's very kind of confusing, uh, you know, sort of intentionally in, in terms of what's going on. Uh, for you know, if you're going at it from Shinji's perspective, but you kind of you get a sense that people are fighting, but you don't really know who is fighting, and the things that are fighting aren't 
great you know designs to to look at and that's the uh, so I, I just kind of I, I check out of, of that first action sequence, and then the the second one is is better because you've got you know an Ava, two Evangelians versus two Evangelians, and they're on top of this mountain of skulls. Um, but I also am just like I I'd like to see my my giant robots around buildings and something to give them a sense of scale, and and we just don't get that in this movie. So. We've seen that enough. No. <laughs> Um, all right, geez, tough crowd, Josh. Yeah, throw me some kind of a bone here. Oh boy, you're not gonna <laughs> like this. <laughs> I I was not a huge fan of this movie the first time I saw it, and the longer that I have thought about it, the more I have come to despise it. Oh, I mean, wow. I think I personally think that this is a this is a parody of Evangelion. Like, I was ready for something different after that that wild curveball at the end of the second movie, and like this was not even close to what I wanted. Um, I, I I think I give this a one and a half. Honestly, uh, I right. hated this on movie. My, uh, on my own again, I see how it is. Um, Alright, so uh, moving on, another thing that I want to get into with these rebuilds, and this is probably the best time to bring it up, uh, Kawaru. I have a question, and I know Kevin probably has the most to say here. Um, I get Kawaru in the series. He's an angel, and he develops a bond with a human, and, you know, uh, Shinji has to do what he has to do. Um, and in these, he's, I guess he says he's an angel, but, like, uh, but what's yeah. his deal? <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> I don't they, understand Kawaru inferences. Uh, it, it seems that he's created by Zela, right? Who in this are just just the pillars of of, of computer that the Gendo talks to. They're not like actual people behind them. Uh, and he was created on the moon. Uh, and there's a bunch of them, so I guess he's a clone. Like all the pilots are clones. Um, that we find out later. So, except, I mean, Shin- that, except Shinji, I guess. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I guess Shinji. You know, not not so much. Maybe. <laughs> um, you know, these, these are these ambiguities that kind of get a little frustrating. Um, so, I mean, he's basically a different character than he was in the, in the series. Uh, but you know, he does this whole thing where you know he comes out and he's like, ah, "I'm looking forward to see Shinji again," which you know leads people to speculate. <laughs> is oh, this, this a time loop? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and the answer is. Uh, Yes. So anyway, <laughs> a definitive, a definitive, uh, you know, maybe. Yeah, they yeah. they didn't bother to actually confirm that until the last movie. <laughs> I actually think maybe if they had uh, established that earlier, maybe these would have turned out better. But yeah, Something. yeah, I yeah. A little context. But but uh, okay. So aside from coming out, it. You know, with a certain point of time, anytime time resets itself, like I don't, I like I don't understand. Okay, like like the original Kawaru has this kind of man who fell to earth vibe. You know, he's a little curious. Um, you know, he asks questions. What's this? What's the? You know, and in this, he he's like. 
oh, I, you know, like he's trying to save the world, and uh, like, yeah. I, and it, I guess you could maybe make the leap to oh, his bond with Shinji made him change his mind, but like, there's nothing in this to. It's his bond from Shinji from the previous timeline. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing that like you could even come up with. I, I don't yes. understand the character in this. This is the Karu from the fan fiction that people who saw Evangelion wrote. Yeah. Like, this is this so. is the one that is not an angel on a mission to go and, and start whatever angels do. This is a, a guy that is truly 100% uh, face value at his word. He just wants to help Shinji... Uh, and 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 make things make things better for him yeah, because I, he loves him. And in the context of the rebuilds, knowing what we know about the rebuilds, that all of these pilots are clones that were tailor made for specific purposes, I can kind of buy that a little bit better. So that's one thing that the the fourth movie has, like you know, kind of softened me on, kind of knowing that you know. Uh, like Kaoru in the in the series is, is an angel, and you have this sort of like the subtext is his character design is basically an amalgam of Shinji, Asuka, and Rei, mm-hmm. and you can be like, okay, well this this guy is still an amalgam of those three, but maybe he was deliberately made that way by Zela because they are like, hey, we got all these pilot DNAs, let's throw them together with angel DNA and see what happens or whatever the Dead Sea Scrolls told them to do. Uh, and then yeah, and then they and then they clone his personality to use as the dummy plug systems for the mass production images. Boy, can you miss a moment there in End of Evangelion? So, so yeah, I, in terms of what what the deal is with this is his memories of previous timelines. Maybe that's that's very yeah. kind of confusing. I, th- I think this is also where we get into a big problem with the next movie in that it feels like they're trying to have it both ways. Yeah. He's still an angel, he's still this mysterious guy, but he's also that best friend that all the fans want to see, and here's where, you know, we, we start to get into the issue of trying to please everybody and when you do that it it doesn't always work out and i i think there's more to say on that later but yeah i i'm kawaru is a i i pfft, beats me <laughs> um we should mention uh that the the dub for this had to be done twice so, three times now. Uh, yeah, three times now, because they did a new one for Amazon. Uh, but yeah, the first one, uh, you know, Kara came back with a bunch of notes and corrections from someone that... I, I don't know if their translation guy is a native English speaker, but, you know, a lot of people ask, like, well, what's with these, like, weird subtitles that say, like, oh so-and-so is the third children, and it's like, that's not how English works. Um, stuff like that is all uh, Kara's in-house translation that they kind of push on everybody now. Um, you know, ADV for the original series kind of had to stick up to them and be like, no, we don't want to use your trash translation. But that, that is also where that controversial change in the Netflix subs uh, comes from, where Kara says, I like you and not I love you. You know, it's like, you have a problem with that, you gotta take it up with Kara. But uh but yeah, you know, we, we talked about that with Tiffany Grant, who we had on, on the podcast a few weeks ago, and she was saying, 
you know, the whole thing with calling Mari four-eyed crony, like... Nobody like I just, the, I just called her four eyes. Well, yeah, that, that the original the, that original dub was calling her four eyes, and then Kara was like, "No, call her four eyed crony," and everyone was like, "Nobody I... says that. That doesn't make any sense." What? <laughs> no, you don't understand. The reason why Western audiences didn't like the third movie is because you translated it wrong. Yeah, yeah, so you know, I guess the people have been kind of at their, uh, you know, have at their at their mercy for a while there. Yeah, basically, somebody from Kara went to screenings in the U.S., and American audiences don't sit quietly like Japanese audiences do in films. And they they're don't. like, mm, well, this is <laughs> this is true. a novelist. It must be the dub. That must be the, the fact that it's different. <laughs> no, it is the kids who are wrong. <laughs> yeah, am I out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. Um, so they're, 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 the children, uh, you say? <laughs> Uh, there is a manga prequel. I don't know if anyone is familiar with that, but I figured I would ask. I'm not sure. I'm assuming it has some stuff about the 14 years time gap. I'm not sure. I'm just asking. I'm I'm actually not familiar with that one. I All feel right. like well. I probably would be the person. There there were there was you know a little sequel uh, thing that was made for the Japan Animator Expo, but. Uh, uh, that that was animation, not yeah, uh, yeah. not manga. All right. Yeah, there was the there was the Sadamoto manga, which, if I remember correctly, doesn't Mari actually have a cameo at the end of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, at the very end of the of the manga, there's there's a, a flashback story to you know uh, Gendo and Yui's relationship, and, and Mari is in that as uh, as sort of uh, the assistant to uh, to Yui. So. Right, which they then goofed up and redconned in the fourth movie. That's right, I remember now. Well, yeah. I, it, it sounds like he just kind of put that in as like a fun Easter egg kind of <laughs> thing, and then the fandom being what it is, we're like, oh, she's like a time traveler. Is she ageless? Like, what's up with that? But the, And then uh, I think both this movie and the fourth one show her like, there, like with yeah. young mm-hmm. Gendo, like in that photograph. It's, oh, that's that's obviously the curse of the Ava. <laughs> so no, I think that was the actually the explanation. So I don't know what I don't I don't think there's an actual explanation for that existing. The closest is you know the the manga guy was like, oh, that'll be fun, and then I don't know why if anno took that in another direction or i don't like i don't know i don't know what happened after that no uh, the manga is obviously a different time loop from the original anime <laughs> well yeah you could probably put that forward um people have so uh okay so so the third movie um uh Oh, by the way, Q, um, it is uh, rumored and speculated that uh, the Q in the Japanese title for the third film uh, is where QAnon got the Q from. Yeah. So people can feel good about that. That makes sense, seeing as Ron Watkins is a weeaboo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's that QAnon documentary where, like, he buys a life-size Ray... statue and yeah it's it's all very strange um it is very strange <laughs> that, that, that's an understatement <laughs> yeah um uh so okay so that that movie was 2012 it's 2021 like what gives and who wow what a what a question to ask um 
So, between this movie and now, there's a lot going on. Um, Anno is back into a depressive state. Um, in 2013, he officially puts Ava 4 on ice. Um, I, I, I don't know that he... At, at the time, I don't know that he ever even thought he was going to go back to it. I think, I know he was kind of considering just leaving it. Um, uh, and um, he, during the whole year of 2013, he didn't step into his office or into the Kara building once. Um, he's 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 not having a good time anymore, like we were talking about earlier. Um, and, you know, this is, you know, causing uh, severe writer's block, or maybe the writer's block is causing it. I don't know. I, I haven't... I don't think he's ever opened up too much about this this bout. Uh, uh, but the, the fourth movie is delayed, and I... I you know, I, it's not something easy to write, especially after you put so much into the third movie, and I, I I have the suspicion that he probably felt like he kind of wrote himself into a corner, like, oh, shit, I, what do I do now after I, like, did that? Um, and so, you know, in, in, in the meantime, he's, he's, uh, he's doing some, some side work. Um, uh, the two biggest projects that, for him were um, voicing the lead in uh, Miyazaki's movie The Wind Rises, and then of course co-directing Shin Godzilla in 2016. Um, and I think being able to be involved in those um, projects uh, kind of was kind of a reset button for him. And, and so you know he's feeling refreshed and creative again, and he's like, okay, we're 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 gonna do it. We're gonna do the new movie. Um, and so uh, another thing is he really feels like he owes it to the fans to finish it. Um, and, uh, you know, when, he didn't know how Shinji's story would end during the original run because he was still dealing with that depression. So he's like, I want to come up with like a, the def- a definitive ending for these characters because I was, you know, out of my mind when I ended it last time. And he he really wanted to do it for for the fans basically um and and some other things he did in the meantime he did uh um uh cur- he he curated the Japan Animator Expo where a bunch of animators created different shorts um and uh he had some minimal involvement in the Godzilla Evangelion crossover promotional stuff like the uh the attraction and the ride and all that stuff um but this is where I want to kind of uh, bring this up real quick. Um, there's this narrative among uh, Anno's fandom that insists that part of his shtick, I guess, is, oh, he's a troll, you know, he's going to do the, these weird, make these weird decisions and, and stuff, you know, to, he likes pissing people off and like, um, I was talking to Kevin offline, and and I was like, you know, after watching the, especially after watching the documentary that I mentioned a few times, the one that's on Amazon, um, I, I, I there's no way that's true. I, I, so so this is a guy after the original show ended. You know, we mentioned you know angry letters and um, you know people talking about killing him, and he really like took that hard like 
you know, he, he would, like, go on the internet and, like, read these messages about people who were unsatisfied with the ending and, like, talking about the ways they would kill him and, like, I mean, that's not something that anyone with manic depression really needs to hear. And, you know, I, I mean, at his worst, like, he, 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 he talks about in the documentaries, like, there were days where I would walk up to the train tracks and count down, like, okay, when am I going to jump? Or he, w- he would go to the top of a building and say, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. And, you know, like a lot of people, you know, didn't have the, the gumption to follow through with it, but that right there should tell anyone that is clinging to that, and I don't know why people cling to that, that should tell people that, I mean, this is a guy that really cares about his fans, and he doesn't want to make them angry. When, when, when his fans don't like him, he almost kills himself. So the idea that, oh, I, that wacky Anno, he's just doing this to get a rise out of people. No, like, he is trying to make the fans happy. It just so happens that he's the kind of creator that also, like, wants to do th- things that are different from what a lot of people are used to yeah, seeing. He doesn't, doesn't want to do it the easy way because he feels like, he feels like, you know... And this is sort of true about the, you know, particularly the Ava fandom, that there's this, I, there's this sense of like, oh, well, we like Ava because it's this, you know, deep enthralling work that has all these different layers. So it's like, well, he doesn't feel like he's ever going to be able to do something by the book that's going to be liked by his fans. He's got to, he's probably does feel like he's got to take big risks with the story yeah. and themes. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much you guys or anyone listening knows about manic depression or knows anyone that suffers from it, but like, there's a lot of things you probably shouldn't say to someone who's man- who suffers from manic chronic depression, but uh, at the top of the list is probably, oh, I wish you were dead, and here's how I would kill you if I could. Y- you know, I mean, he is not trying to bring that on himself. Uh, so, yeah, the whole idea that he gets, like, this, you know, kick out of making people mad or um, telling unsatisfying stories is, is complete hogwash. It- I-, I think... Part of the problem that he has with his creative process also is that he spends a lot of time with things because he's so eager to please people, but then he he starts projecting onto it the like, oh, this won't be interesting because he spent so much time with it when the audience itself has not yeah. spent so much time with it. So at first he's like, okay, I'm going to have Shinji fight a guy. And then he's like, Shinji fights a guy. Shinji, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shinji fights a bear. And then he's like on that for a few minutes. Like, yeah, but, but what if Shinji fought five bears? But what if Shinji <laughs> fought five bears in space? What if an octopus fought five bears in space? And he's, he gets so far away from his original idea that when it finally comes out, everyone's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's a great summation. summation. <laughs> yes. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I needed to get on a soapbox and like, do what I could to put an axe in that Anno is a troll thing because it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it, it's not. I, true. I think I think that's I think that's fair. But also to Kevin's to the point that Kevin makes, it also kind of points out it's like the longer that Anno thinks about an idea, also the more difficult it is to understand once it finally gets produced because it's been it's been thought of and rethought of so many times that like the amount of overthinking that has gone into it. At that point, it's just crazy. And I, I know that he stepped away. I know that's a big reason why. 
there's a long gap between three and four. But as as anyone who has ever had a personal project on the back burner for a long time, you don't ever really completely stop thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. So I I, I mean uh, that that's a good segue into the production of this movie, which was hell. Um, and and the the documentary on Amazon, I it's in two parts. It's, um, called Hideki Anno, the final challenge of Evangelion, I think, but made by NHK, kind of documents like they they stuck with him for years, basically. Yeah, uh, you know, following the, the, this production, and it's crazy. Um, and so to kind of give a little background into why it's so insane um i'm gonna let matt kind of talk about that for a bit uh but definitely if you want to kind of see a lot of this play out as well as other insane things uh i definitely recommend checking out that documentary uh, you'll be surprised how often anno just tells his staff to like figure something out and then he just he watches their work at his desk and eats chips and Tells people that <laughs> tells people that it's not working. So Matt, uh, give us some look into the bonkers <laughs> making of Evangelion three point one plus one point or three point oh plus one point oh thrice upon a time, or just call it four like a normal person. But whatever. Yeah, I, right? <laughs> never, uh, never. So, that documentary, by the way, like. You need to go. You need to watch it. I actually think it's it's really fascinating. Like I even, think that even if you best. don't like Anno, or even if you don't know who Anno is, like it's a yeah. really interesting look into the creative process of a guy that does not view the world like everyone else. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's insane. And like honestly, I think the best thing to come out of these movies is that documentary. <laughs> like it's it's that. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's that really good. good but, yeah. Uh, so. One of the things that's unique about the the Thrice Upon a Time movie is that Anno decided not to do storyboards this time. Because, like, anime is usually started by drawing the storyboards along with the script. Instead, they actually did motion capture to make previs. Um, and so there, there's a... Um, Shin Godzilla... So, Tsurumaki comments that Shin Godzilla was basically made in a similar way. But this time, Anno wanted to make the previs first. And he wanted to do that without going through the storyboarding process, and then he wanted to complete the storyboarding process. That's insane, but okay, sure. And they show that in the, in the way that they show that in the documentary is freaking nuts because, like, they'll go through painstakingly and they'll film from multiple angles. And Anno's there; he's giving direction to the camera crew, and then he just decides to take out his cell phone and do it from the cell phone instead, and use that as like his basis. It's it's nuts. Um. It might be, and then the the quote goes on. It says it might be easier to say that he is creating a video storyboard. It was a fresh and interesting process to think that 3D CG, which is somewhere between animation and live live action, could be a good combo of animation and live action by using the live action production methods. Anna used a, a virtual camera to ca- to capture environments, and then at, like at one point, um, they did the entire first act with motion capture actors. And they did the previs, and then he scraps the whole thing, and he starts from the very beginning. So, like, they redo the first act after going through this entire process. Imagine there's a, how <laughs> there's a like, great moment in the in the documentary where I don't know one of the staff members is like, "Well, like, can we at least use like the parts that are good?" And he's like, "No, <laughs> we got to start all over again." He goes back to like inhaling, he, and when he eats his chips, by the way, it's not like he's pulling them out of the bag; he's opening the bag at the top. And then, like pouring him down, pouring him down his throat. It's, <laughs> it's so crazy. 
Um, so, th- so basically, the production is really difficult. And there's another quote by uh, Suramaki. Suramaki. Uh, he's like, we have a script, but no storyboard. So we don't know the total amount of work. And then moreover, the previs is actually updated daily. And so scenes may disappear, and then the cuts may actually increase. They had no idea where to start, whether the scenes we were working on were actually really necessary, or how much work we would end up doing. He's like, I don't even have an estimate, so I just end up, I just, so I was just groping my way through the process. The storyboard is the creative part, but is also a production part that determines the, the specific work to be done and the total amount of work to be done, and the animation production field is not designed so that the entire process can be carried out without restrictions, so they had a hard time. And basically, like, they would sit in meetings, and Anna wouldn't even give them direction. Like, he, they would just, like, they would ask him questions, and there's multiple people throughout the documentary that actually comment, like, it would be so much easier if he just told us what he wanted. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I would go crazy working for somebody like that. By there's the way. that. Then, there's course, that quote from Higuchi, like after they have a meeting about like the the different robot designs, and he doesn't like any of them, but he doesn't say what he doesn't like about them or how he wants them to change. And Higuchi is like, "This is I, this is like I've been dealing like he's always been like this. I've been dealing with this forever." And he just leaves ideas laying around like corpses. <laughs> yeah, that's a great quote. That that is a really great quote. Um, to make matters worse. Ano still suffers writer's block during the production, and he like like we said, he only gives very vague uh, directions. He would actually go missing and like just not show up for days without a notification. One of the opening scenes in the documentary is like, uh, "Hey, what time does does Ano come in?" It's like the production crew asking. Like, like, we, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> we don't even know if he's going to come to work today. I we don't know. <laughs> And then he rejects the ideas, and he ends up just kind of doing everything himself anyway. And so one of the, the actually really interesting things is he hires um, tokusatsu veteran Toshio Miike, who worked on, like, Final Wars and GMK and Shin Godzilla. Uh, but they create this miniature set, and I believe it's pronounced Credit, right? Yeah, it's yeah. The, That's the, the survivors, yeah. Yeah, but, like, the, the <clears throat> set is, like, gorgeous, elaborate. It's to scale. And then, like... Anna would go in and tell people where to put stuff and then he would move it himself and then he would move it again. I think he ends up doing it like five or six different times during that process. Just And like, it's like he's moving the telephone poles or like the high tension wires or like he's saying, hey, these the the um, the bathrooms would, would need to be next to each other. So he just very, very meticulous and would end up doing everything himself. And I can only imagine like how frustrating. And then on top of that, you have COVID hit. So right when they're starting to actually get some momentum covid hits and they're not able to actually work together they actually have to start doing things through like virtually they're they're on like conference calls zoom calls whatever they were using and i'm guessing that probably added a lot more frustration where people are like working from home getting direction from from ano virtually who's you know not showing up all the time like i just i can't imagine how they felt working through that process it's it's bonkers <laughs> and like i just you just think about how much money was wasted on like why are you like building a giant miniature set because you feel like your city will like you'll be able to visualize it in animation better for for something that like there's only a few wide shots of that city in the movie to begin with it's insane um and a lot of it is like okay this is what happens when you give a a a really different kind of creator too much money he's gonna find ways to spend it (laughs) um 
so the, the, it'll look great in guidebooks after the fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's a wild ride. In that documentary, it also gets into like him as a person, his relationship with his wife, and you know some really interesting stuff about his childhood, and you know how his dad was missing, uh, I, I think, a leg, and how yeah. ever, and, and how he he likes broken things be- and he thinks it's because of that you know it's really interesting stuff and Ava like ripping off arms and the reattaching arms and yeah limbs yeah and stuff. That's, you know yeah. in the original series like toji loses a leg um so, so so yeah um so i'll give uh a, a, a synopsis and i don't know i, I don't think this is going to be as hard as one might think um but okay so we pick up uh I, I guess not too long after the third one, and we, we follow Rei, uh, Asuka, and Shinji. Um, and, uh, well, we open with, uh, in Paris, we, we catch up with the bridge crew uh, in France, and they're trying to, I guess, convert the city back to having no L-field. Uh, an L-field is a post-impact environment where everything is red and there's red stuff do we even know what it does besides have red floaty things i guess people can't live there it has like dummy avas like walking around aimlessly or something i don't (laughs) yeah but like what is it sad energy Anyway, so there's red stuff that I, none of us can explain, and that, and I guess it's bad. So they're doing something with the I don't know the air or some I don't, or something to to convert it into uh, somewhere that can be ha- uh, um, inhabitable again. Uh, while they're doing that, Fuyutsuki, uh at Nerve he uh, he has uh, a bunch of crazy looking robots attack Vile and then we get this opening action sequence with uh, you know Mari uh, taking out all these robots and uh, explosions explosions hooray um, anyway so then uh, in the meantime um, our three uh, our three main pilots I guess I'll call them uh, they um, are picked up uh, and taken to a commune of survivors of the third impact um, uh, uh, to a place called Credit, which is uh, um, uh, that's where Toji is, an adult Toji. Uh, he is happily married to um, the class rep. Uh, they have a baby, and. Um, uh, Kensuke is still around. He's still, uh, you know, his uh, Toji's BFF. Um, he's he's way less like irritating as an adult. Uh, he's um, <clears throat> uh, involved with the the, the community there. Um, Shinji is just uh, ridiculously depressed because, and he actually has a valid reason here. Uh, it's because he almost caused the end of the world. And he is very sad about that, and he won't talk to anybody, um, and everyone is starting to get a little frustrated with him, uh, especially Asuka, of course. Um, and, uh, and during this first hour or so, it's just kind of a little slice of life, uh, post-apocalyptic slice of life, and uh, Ray is adorable and awesome in this section. Um, you know, she's 
you know, this is like her first time out in the world, um, and so she's she's seeing a cat for the first time. She's learning what hello and goodbye and thank you mean, uh, what food tastes like. Um, uh, you know, she's learning what words like cute mean, you know, uh, the, the, the town ladies are taking her shopping and giving her makeovers, and it's all, it's all very charming, um, uh, and, and that's, that's kind of what we were alluding to earlier, like, that, the, the, the whole introducing a new Ray really pays off in the, in this first hour, it's some of the best stuff in here, um, so, um, Things, uh, of course, it's Evangelion, so things, uh, they can't stay great forever. Uh, we do meet, uh, uh, Kaji and Misato's son, who's about, you know, 14 or so. Um, we learn, uh, some bummer news that, uh, Kaji, um, uh, sacrificed his life, uh, to stop that third impact at the end of the second movie, uh, and, um... Uh, Misato has uh, um, abandoned her child because she feels like she's worthless and the kid would be better off without her. Um, so she's kind of left him uh, in this survivor's commune. Um, and Shinji's like, oh, like that, that sucks. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> so uh, in the meantime, you know, um, Gendo and Fuyutsuki, they're, they're still messing around with apocalyptic stuff. Um, uh, eventually the, the Vonder comes and, and, um, drops off a bunch of, I guess, kind of refugees, or they're un, they're un, unloading a bunch of, like, people that live there. The Vonder is crazy, like, it's got Ava 1 in it, and apparently it houses, like, hundreds of people. <laughs> it also has, uh, established here, it also has, like, seeds from, like, every species or something, because Kaji wanted to repopulate the, the Earths, uh, so it's like a, a, a Noah's Ark kind of thing. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, the, the wonder is insane. Um, anyway... Uh, so they pick up Asuka, Shinji goes with her, even though, like, the crew is like, yeah, the last time this kid was around, he almost killed everybody, so he goes into isolation, um, and, uh, so, um, Futsuki and Gendo, they're, they want to restart Unit 13, you know, they're, they're trying to get, get the show back on the road here. And, um, so the Vonder heads to Antarctica, and, um, that is where, uh, it, um, battles a bunch of Nerve ships. Uh, there's a big aerial battle between Ville and Nerve, set to music from the, uh, War in Space. And, um, uh, then the movie gets nutty. Um, you know, uh... Shinji ends up saying, uh, well, at, at, at this point, um, Gendo and, and, and Futsuki are ready to, you know, they're, they're ready to start the next impact and get this over with. That one will, uh, cleanse the soul, uh, I guess, um, uh, the, the previous impacts cleanse the, the ocean, the sky, and the earth, and this one is gonna cleanse the soul. And so we see the Chamber of Guff opens, and all the souls are being, you know, poured out, and, and here we go, here we go again. Um, and, uh, so, um, 
During this, uh, you know, Shinji volunteers to pilot Ava-1 to try and stop Unit 13. Uh, and uh, at that point, um, uh, him and Mari follow Gundo into the anti-universe, which is I a universe that is outside of space and time. I don't know. In my mind, it's kind of like where the TVA is in Loki. It's like this is, is this, 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 this location is nowhere essentially. Um, and, uh, in, and we learn in a battle, um, we see Asuka remove her eye patch and she has an L2 limiter thing in her eye and she removes it. So we find out that, um, Bardiel is still inside her from the end of, uh, uh, the second film. Uh, and then we get a reveal that she was a clone, and Gendo had all along anticipated her coming in to do that. And um, at that point, uh, that that plays into part of instrumentality too. Um, and then after that, it we kind of get into uh, a, a light remake of End of Evangelion, where you know we get a lot of crazy, you know we get a very uncomfortable looking giant ray that's like it's like a giant realistic looking ray now, and it's really bizarre. Uh, we get um, walking mannequin bodies, um, and so we get into the surreal weird stuff that you would expect. Um, only it's way more literal now. So um, you know, we we follow Gendo and uh, Shinji and their Avas, and they're fighting through various environments, including a Tokusatsu movie set, uh, Misato's kitchen. Um, what's the other one? There's another one, isn't there? Anyway, so they fight, and and then uh, Gendo's like, "Look, we're not going to be able to settle our differences by fighting. We got to talk." And then Shinji's like, oh yeah, you know, uh, let's talk it out. So then uh, we see them on the train of thought, and they talk their troubles out. We find out the sad truth about Gendo that we kind of knew all along, which is that he was uh, an introvert nerd, and then he uh, his life was made happy by Yui, and then... Everything ended up going to hell. Uh, Yui died, and then he's like, Shinji, I can't take care of him, so I'm just going to abandon him. Um, and so they, they talk out their troubles. And, uh, you know, at the end, I guess they're kind of just like, okay, we, we cool. Um, so Gendo walks away. I guess he's just like, oh, I, I feel bad now. <laughs> he just disappears from the movie. Um, and uh, Shinji, uh, now that all the... Sp- there's this whole thing where he, they, he needs an extra spear, and Masato takes the spine, yes, the spine, out of the Wonder and uh, gives it to him, and he turns that into a new spear. And so he can rewrite reality now, because uh, that's a trope we haven't seen enough. Not. Um, and so he chooses to rewrite reality, and um, uh, while he's doing that, Masato is like... You know, I'm going to have to, you know, crash into uh, the Black uh, Lilith Moon, which is basically like uh, Nerve's floating fort. It's like their Death Star. It's where they have all their culty, uh, you know, Adam resurrecting, instrumentality causing things. Um, and, she, and, you know, she event- she's like, I, I, the only way to do it is to uh, crash into it. Um, she's like... I'm sorry to my son, this is the best I can do, she's done. Um, Then Shinji rewrites reality with the spears, and um, he says he's going to do it without Ava's this time. 
Um, so he rewrites reality, and uh, we end up going to uh, uh, a train station, a live-action train uh, station, where um, he is an adult, and uh, we also have Mari, who's like... Uh, she removes his DSS choker, and she's like, Hey, like uh, it's your favorite with the big boobs. Let's go run off. And they run off to explore the reality, our world. The Shinji rewrote uh, the world into our world, and so they're in our universe now. Um, we see uh, uh, Ray and Kawaru, for some reason, kind of seem like a couple. And then I guess Shinji is just like an asshole, so he, he didn't put Kaji or Masato or Asuka anywhere. Um he he does uh, 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 talk to Asuka, uh, who admitted earlier that she had a crush on him back in the day, and he's like, yeah, you know, I probably kind of did too, but, you know, whatever. And she's like, oh, you've grown up. Um, and then he just, like, leaves her on a beach, like, in ripped-up clothing. <laughs> kind of uh, how she, kind of he leaves an adult Asuka kind of there in the same state she was at the end of, end of Evangelion. Anyway... So Shinji rewrites uh, reality, and it's our uh, shitty real-life reality, so he's just really bad at that, I guess. Um, and so everybody's happy, um, I, and uh, that's, that's the movie. Um, I, I know that's probably the longest synopsis that we, we did out of here, but uh, it's the longest movie. Um, it, it's uh, two and a half hours, and uh, you know, as the finale, there's a lot that had to be crammed in, so that's that. Um, I am going to catch a breath uh, while I let you guys kind of give your little review sections, what you liked, what you didn't like. Um, So uh, I'll take a volunteer to to start us off here. Nobody? Uh, Don't get too excited. I guess I I could. Uh, (laughs) This is a a frustrating one because... For all of the new things that the previous movie was doing, this one seemed to, like, take a step backwards and be like, hey, uh, there's this thing that we've got to do because this is the thing that Evangelion does Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Even though devoid of the context and the buildup that we've had previously, it doesn't necessarily always uh, make as much sense, you know, like the... You know, there's there's a giant ray. Why is there a giant ray? Well, the, the previous Evangelion had a giant ray. Is is ray around to trigger this? No, like things like that. It's just uh, I. So I, I have an issue with that. Uh, as as much as people have been making some claims about, you know, this, this should be nominated for an Academy Award for animation and things like that. Like some of the CGI is not as good as the previous movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you could tell they were running up on those deadlines. I, th- uh, yeah. you know, the mannequin scene. Like, I just, I, <laughs> ugh. Sorry, Kev. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then the other thing is, there's there there are pieces that don't make narrative sense in terms of, okay, this might be something that, and and this is again one of those is it is it thoroughly metatextual or not? Uh, you know, like. Shinji and 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 his dad fighting on a Tokusatsu set. Like, okay, well, yeah, Ano likes Tokusatsu, but like, we have not seen anything to suggest that Shinji or Gendo have any particular interest in Tokusatsu. <laughs> you know, or like when they they do this flash, it's like all of the all of the previous Evangelions are disappearing, 
as like some of these are like Evangelions that Shinji's never even seen. Like, why is why is this getting a a little like special moment as they're as they're cutting through all of the all of the units or whatever? Um, and so that that kind of uh, that that and, and kind of the some of the some of the design work again. I'm not as I'm not as up on the design work as I was on the original series. Mm-hmm. I think that there's just kind of like a, a lot of iterations on on a theme. Some of them have been good, but uh, you know, some of them like these these mass production Avas, whatever that have like big goofy skull faces. I'm just like, eh, I don't know about this. Um, and then there's a bunch of stuff that's sort of set up and not really uh, followed up on in 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 a way that you know, like when they say things like, ah, yes, just beyond this wall, there's this giant headless evangelion zombies that are wandering around and like oh that's neat what are you going to do with that nothing okay you know it's it's sort of the the opposite of a Chekhov's gun for for some of the plot threads that they bring up or just you know throwaway lines like they they establish that all of the characters or or at least that Asuka has been a clone this whole time which I think kind of robs her character a little bit compared to what we had previously established that they they say that all of the pilots were um, were were intentionally made emotionally deficient in order to some reason. Um, they they say that Ray is without sexual distinction, which again I'm I'm confused by as a as why does a that matter? And, yeah, what? yeah. They 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 keep dropping things like that, and I'm just like, what what? I'm uh, okay, and I think this is a lot of. Like we were saying, Anno coming up with ideas uh, that he thinks are, are going to be interesting, but not necessarily uh, coherent with the with the overall uh, narrative that's that's going on. Um, I feel like I feel like I've been dumping on a lot of things. Well, uh, well, I, I mean, if you if you feel like you got the negative out of your system, go with you know some of the stuff you might have liked. Uh, so things I I do and. I, I thought that the the whole village sequence was pretty well done. Um, you know, uh, Ray is kind of being a being a a, a moe blank slate, but that's that's okay. Uh, you know, seeing sort of a, a softer take is this is sort of like what if what if instead of everybody yelling at Shinji like they did in the last movie, they just gave him some some space. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that's. Uh, and and the, the animation in that part of the movie is is beautiful, so I kind of wish that it had stuck more along those lines than it did in the in the grand finale. I also think that um, while it's much more conventional to make Gendo the 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 big bad end antagonist, um, it uh, thematically works uh, in in the way that they they did that there, and, and it hasn't really been done. In Evangelion, so far as you know, as much of a villain as this character has been, you haven't, you know, really seen him like literally come blows to blows and and be a robot pilot himself. Um, you know, the mechanics of that are, you know, not in they're they're incongruous with what we previously knew about Evangelions, but um, that's that's something that thematically works very well, and and they do some interesting stuff with the the, you know dream dream battles and the um symmetry between uh unit one unit two what 
what what is Shinji piloting at? I the lost end? track of the units uh, at some point. Yeah, at one point, Mari's unit is unit something plus something plus something. I'm like, I don't even know who's. Pl- I don't know what yeah, any of this she, is. She ate all the missing units from the other <laughs> from the other movies. I mean, yeah. you know, there was a unit thirteen. We we had to get all the units in between. That's just the rules, right? Well, okay. With unit seven, we got like several hundred thousand of them. Yeah, so I mean, basically, Asuka is fighting against against Gendo uh, in Unit Two. Unit Two gets ripped up, but is like carrying the the corpse of that around. Shinji warps into it and turns it into Unit One, even though Unit One is still the core of the Vunder because we see its spine, and that is what turns into that lance. And that's a, that's a great example of a scenario that had a very simple solution that they decided to do something weird with instead. It's like, oh, we need unit one. Get unit one out of the out of the wunder. It's like it's been sunk. Just get just get unit one out of there. You could have had this great. You could have had this great parallel with like, oh, was that end of Evangelion where uh, where unit one breaks itself out of the bakelite? I think so. um, and and then yeah, and then Shinji pilots it. Yeah, yeah. Like you could have had. I mean, yeah, we you know ripped a bunch of other things straight out of End of Evangelion visually. You know why stop? You know why stop with you know why stop with a weird hyper photorealistic rave? <laughs> um, uh, I I I think that the you know there's there's some some questionable aspects about the ending uh but overall i think that i'm i'm happy with you know this is kind of very similar to the ending in the manga so i'm i'm happy on that front and uh and the music choices i i liked quite bye a bye lot jupiter with. and uh war in yeah, space yeah. <laughs> music um yeah. all right um uh i guess josh what what are your you know general takeaways good and bad here so yeah, I I really liked I really liked that period that that like scene that why well, I shouldn't even say extended scene. I mean, there's like the entire it was a good portion of the first act, first slash second act of the movie where they're you know in the survivors' village, and sort of similar to the aquarium scene in the second movie, it kind of not only is it good world building, but like it grounds the story a lot, and I think that's one of the things that was really missing from the third movie. Was that was that thing that like ties it back to? No, seriously, there are still human, like normal people alive that are like actually having to live through this like craziness. Um, and again, like it, it brings like this great human element to it. You've got all these great scenes. You've got all these great scenes with the Ray clone, where it's like, well, clearly, like all of these clones had the same propensity for like proper human, like proper humanity, just like the one that we saw in the first two movies. Um, and it's sort of like this this minor quiet tragedy that like they're all just being used as tools, you know, for for Gendo's goofball plan, you know. Uh, but I mean, like I, I I love that whole section of the movie. Where the movie definitely starts losing me is when they start getting into their into their oh I had some great ideas for these visual shots. What was the point of this? Listen, don't don't. Don't get me bogged down with these details. We we need to have we need to have three hundred fifty thousand unit sevens get into this crazy fractal pattern, and Asuka and Mari are gonna like do a double handed 
double-handed, uh, you know, AT field smash Rooney and blast them all into confetti. Uh, oh, all right. And, oh, and, and, you know, the Wunder, big deal that was. Yeah, guess what? There's actually three more of them. And, and, and you know, <laughs> Gendo and Fuyuski built all three, all of that just entirely by themselves. Um, I know they don't actually say that explicitly in the movie. I just think it's very, it's sort of like back to the world building. It's like with, with the post, um, with the post third impact, or near third impact, whatever they want to call it, for the end of the second movie, Nerve. They've shown no one else working there. Um, <laughs> and I true. know that, like, I know that it's sort of like the suspension of disbelief or whatever, but this problem that both the third and even worse, the fourth movie have, is that we're, like, in this post-post-post-apocalyptic world. We've got maybe a million human beings left alive. The possibility for something like heavy industry seems so far beyond what's even remotely possible at this point. Um, with as destroyed as the entire planet is, there's no place that you know with this with these L fields. Where do you build a factory? How can you safely mine resources? Where are you going to find the people to do this work, right? Um, and yet we're having like these ridiculous scale up of both like the the, the complexity of the technology and also like the amount of the amount of robots and and the like running around and i know it's sort of a minor detail but it is sort of this it sort of feeds into this sense of just like total detachment from reality that the last two movies have um that is only somewhat mitigated in this fourth movie by having this great scene in the survivors camp and um uh, but but like it sort of like rips you back into no this is what evangelion is now it's, it's, you know, I guess it's like hundreds of thousands of Unit 7s that have inexplicably come from nowhere cascading into this stuff that's pretty much just here to be a quote-unquote cool-looking scene. And we're going to the anti-space, and we've got the imaginary Ava, and, and I'm just... It's just like, I don't see why we needed to jump through so many hoops to just get to the point of, we really want to do a, a third impact in which Gendo Akari is the one at the center of it, because this was the entire point of all of this, was to have a different perspective on the third impact. Right. And we had to go through all of these ridiculous hoops to get there, when there probably was a much simpler way to have accomplished this. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just... I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie. Some of it is visually impressive. Some of it is not. Um, but it's 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 not it. I wouldn't call it incoherent because again, I I got to the end of that movie and I felt like I understood what they were going yeah. for. Um, you know, they answered a lot of there's a lot of questions that were answered well. But I just I don't know. I felt like the execution was rather poor in this movie. Um, in that there's a lot of there's just so much stuff that happens in this movie that was completely ancillary to like what the point of it all was, and then it ends up being this you know the longest of all the movies, and you're, and you're saying so like yeah, did it need to be this long? Feels like we could have cut a lot of we could have cut a lot of this out, but then I said yeah, but then we would have had you know we we already had to make we already animated the scene of you know all the headless Avas you know marching <laughs> across the planet, so like. We, we, I mean, that has to stay in. We, we have to have the photorealistic ray face. We have to have, you know, the scene where, you know, where Masato rams the, you know, the Wunder into, you know, into the giant ray face and they create the, you know, spear of Gaius or whatever. And they get, get on to this whole thing about, like, you know, it's not enough 
it wouldn't have been enough to say that, like, oh, you know, Shinji merely being there and imposing his will in this, like, space where, um, you know, anything can be made reality, that's not enough to, like, overpower Gendo's vision of the third impact. It, you had to, like, create another one of these spears because the spears are, like, the key to, like, shaping reality or whatever. And just, like, this is just... We're just there's just so much stuff getting thrown against the wall, and it's like, it's it's almost apt that they're pulling so much from End of Evangelion because there's it, they're getting this similar sense of there was a lot of stuff in the writers' room that mutated multiple times, and by the time it got to the other end of it, it's almost incomprehensible, other than what the point of it all was, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, so underneath all this BS, there is a, like, there is a point to it, kind of like, oh yeah, the original third impact, it's like. Oh, the AT fields represent the ego barriers in between people, and you destroy that breaks. You know, people break down their distinction from each other. That's why everyone's getting turned into like primordial soup because it's like if we don't view each other as separate, do our physical forms matter anymore? And then our consciousness become one. And and I mean, like that was some like really wild, heady stuff. But like that worked in End of Evangelion, and you were still operating off of that's what the third impact means. And these, and then Gendo turns around in this movie and goes, "Oh well, the you know one impact was to cleanse the, the ocean, one to cleanse the earth, one to cleanse the side. This this is the cleanse the spirit. Like that's not what any of these were until this exact moment when you said that. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, no, the, <laughs> that's 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 true. Uh, so I I really like some stuff about the fourth movie and there's some stuff that i just loathe first act i really enjoyed i think the the character building is is actually pretty i mean it's all really well done i think the ending like you know like think of like Quaro. there's a there's a, a throwaway line between he and kaji but like they're talking and he mentions that Quaro's happiness can't be tied to to shinji's happiness because Quaro was spending all of his existence trying to make shinji happy it's actually a pretty cool way to end it like to to bring that character to a close the fact that Shinji and Asuka can, can kind of wrap things up and actually admit that they had feelings for one another when they, you know, refused to do it throughout the, the first, uh, all the other movies. Um, you know, the stuff with Gendo, I thought, was, was actually pretty great. And then you come to Mari. And I think this is kind of the thing that we've all been talking about offline in our Facebook threads about her character being the one to kind of, like, Shinji's in this, uh, in the movie, there's, like, there's no color. It's kind of redoing the whole end of Ava thing. And... Um, Mari comes into picture, and she's the one to rescue him, sort of, and bring like color back into the into the actual animation. And ultimately, she's the one that he chooses to go into the real world with. So the way the the story ends is it breaks reality, and he Shinji creates this world without Evangelions, but that world is specifically with Mari. And like the problem that I have with that is like, well, I love the idea that it's breaking the cycle the the it seems like it's breaking the time loops and it's actually entering entering into the real world i hate the idea that mari is sort of a driving factor for shinji to do that because that piece is really forced and it's her character doesn't do anything really to deserve they've, the, they've shared like almost no conversations in the rebuild movies right like, yeah rubs up on asuka more than she does on shinji like it's yeah it's there's there's nothing in the in the show that um, makes me want her character to be the person that Shinji walks away with. 
I mean, I... The most narratively satisfying would probably be if he wound up with Asuka. You know, I mean... And she's been waiting to tell that moron for, what, 25 years now? <laughs> How much, you know, that, that, you know, she has a crush on him? And, you know, I know part of it is like, yeah, I don't feel that way about you anymore. But at the end, she's like, oh, wow, like, I am impressed you've grown up. I mean, I don't know. There, There's a way to... It's not satisfying for him to wind up with Mari. It, I yeah I I would say I, I would say that is like yeah that's like the one that's like the one blemish because I, I I kind of agree I agree with what was said before about other aspects of the way other characters like are have their loops properly closed and even Ray kind of gets decent closure um, before the clone gets tanged. Yeah, right. we, we forgot to mention. Yeah, I guess it turns out if she's not regularly like bathed in LCL, you know, she will just loses her physical yeah, form, yeah. which happens, and it's which makes which yeah. sort of makes sense in the context of whatever that like Ray these these Ray clones are like less stable the further away they get from UA, but um, in either in either in any event, um. Yeah, I felt like I felt like having him actually end up with anyone in particular almost feels like it kind of undermines the whole point. I felt like this. I like this. I I love this idea. That it's like admit, yeah, there was a time and a place where Shinji and Asuka might have ended up. Things didn't work out that way. Everyone's fine with it. They've grown up. They've moved on. And so, like this idea that like I don't know if I don't know if it even needed to be explain, explicitly said that Shinji needed needed to have been saved by anyone because. From his interaction with Gendo, it, the third, you know, in, inside the third impact environment or whatever, it kind of seemed like Shinji had essentially saved himself. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone else deserves credit for that except for Shinji's character. And I mean, for the people who have who have, have suffered, you know, suffered alongside, you know, or suffered watching Shinji suffering, to kind of, I don't know, it kind of feels like it kind of undermines his personal accomplishment there to be like, no, 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 Mari saved him. You're know, like. Exact? How exactly? Looks like he did pretty all right by himself. Look, Japan has a very low birth rate. They need to have <laughs> your, your yeah. characters wind up with somebody at the end. Even well, no longer as prime minister, somewhere in the shadows, Shinzo Abe smiles. Yeah. Or maybe he just has his maybe he just has his hands up under his nose and his glasses are shining. I want to I want to throw in something real quick. We're talking about Mario. Have just some some basic background on her so like second movie she's introduced in the town of bethany there's like the three marys in uh in the bible you have mary magdalene you have mary of bethany and then you have mary the mother of jesus and mari's character is kind of like a, a mashup of uh mary from bethany who washes jesus's feet and is is said to have used this really expensive perfume hence why i think she's always talking about how shinji smells a certain way um, and then there's also um, Mary Magdalene, who's like the first person to see Christ, or basically the first person to see the the resurrection of Christ. The tomb is empty, uh, but like in in extra biblical writings, and like it was made super popular by Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. Uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, and Jesus basically like get married or they have a, a relationship. So, like, it's playing on the two Marys. And then her last name being Iscariot, that's a play on uh, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, is the one that, like, turned him in for 30 pieces of silver and the reason, and part of the reason why Jesus ends up being crucified. And so, like, it's a play on the two Marys and Judas all kind of being mashed together. 
Uh, and the is carry part is kind of a weird throwaway, throwaway line. I actually wanted to ask you guys about it because it seems like it's just simple. It's simply in reference to her betraying uh, Gindo and I forget the other guy's name, Fuka, whatever. Uh, but like, yeah, like it's just kind of a throwaway line that she's betraying them. But like, again, it's just it's a reference to uh, to Judas Iscariot. But like, I didn't know if that had everything with her character is just kind of like thrown out there. And I think that's again what bothers me so much about the way this ends is because when you even like taking the references and, and doing what what you want with them, there's not a lot of depth to her at all. And the fact that like she's the one that that brings color back into the picture, she's the one that talks about she's going to come for Shinji when he when she needs him. Like they set up her coming in to kind of save the day right before Shinji goes to battle, and then when it happens and he leaves with her, he just kind of felt it 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 feels a bit empty to me. And I think that's my biggest thing about the show is because even in the other movies, she's like, she's kind of barely in them. And when she's in them, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, even the, the, the they didn't even know, like they never knew what to do with her. So having her, her like, on a rooftop, like she parachutes in basically on a rooftop and meets Shinji. It's just, it's, it's really undeserving. I think she parachutes in and crashes boobs first. Into Shinji. Oh, yeah. I forgot. To, yeah. Very important um, uh, that they drew attention to that. The, the, so there is the, um, there is the bit where uh, Asuka tells her he doesn't need a lover, he needs a mother. Yeah. So do you think she's, uh, an, uh, you know, sort of playing on the, the mother of Jesus, Mary, also? Then? I mean, she, she could be. It wouldn't be surprising if he, like, was just kind of taking the three Marys and cobbling them together. The most, I mean, like uh, the most interesting read about the Judas connection, uh, shout out to my friend Lux Edwards, who... who put this forth to me um but uh judas's motives are you know highly debated so you know it it could be that mari saved shinji only for the sake of humanity you know if she you know is his fate still you know to die to to save humanity you know so you know if, if she feels like he's like the the savior you know maybe that's part of it you know she maybe she then maybe there's no actual love she just just like okay this is i have to save this kid or else you know he'll freaking turn everyone into goo uh <laughs> um according to some reads judas be- betrayed christ when he feared that judas would trigger the romans to massacre the jews so uh, that's that, that's probably the most interesting spin uh, that kind of gives you more to chew on um and and you know what the whole a- the whole thing with with Mari removing the choker you know maybe she's the new choker um what what a dark read on the end of the movie right <laughs> like, yeah it's a, it, it, so so yeah maybe she helped him just so he wouldn't kill himself I, I, again i mean that's that's the most interesting read that that it supersedes the very straightforward approach that so much of this movie is taking and i guess I guess, you know, I'll kind of segue that into my feelings. I, I think everyone kind of... I think we're probably in agreement on this one, maybe the most. Um, uh, the things that work for me are mostly... Like, that first hour, I was loving it. I was like, this is everything I wanted from where the third one left off. And then it gets into a more straightforward remake of End of Evangelion. And, it, and it's... I don't know. I mean, I, I, we, we've kind of used the expression for normies quite a 
bit in talking about the rebuilds, but I mean, I, I having Gendo and Shinji literally spell out the the, the subtext of yeah, that was a bit of an Evangelion. Moment when they're it, actually, it's, like fighting each other. One-on-one. Yeah, yeah, it's like we it, will make a Neon Genesis. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. you're, you're you're taking the subtext of Eva and making it the text. And for some people, for the more casual audiences that would watch the original and be like, it's so weird, I don't get it, like, okay, maybe that'll work for you. But for me, it, again, it felt like a very, it, 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 it felt like a step backwards, um, it felt, it, it, it felt like it, it really kind of, Making it, it was like stating the obvious, kind of, and and so much of that is there. And um, uh, well, I also think I was going to say too. I I never felt like there a showdown between those two was ever going to be like a fist fight. I thought that like it, the way that it was resolved, you know, but just a few scenes later was what I would have always imagined a proper showdown between those two being it being like a a deeply like emotional thing. Yeah, Gendo yeah. coming to this realization that you know in his dogged <laughs> pursuit of ua he was basically you know basically you know neglecting his and hers greatest legacy which was shinji you know yeah it but it yeah it gets way too on the nose for me and and it's it's like okay i mean you're saying stuff that we already knew and you're I didn't need that, and um, I mean, uh, the first hour is great. I love it a lot. It's some of my favorite. It might be some of my favorite Eva stuff. I a, a case where you know fan shipping worked well. Like I love, I love that we got to see Toji married to class rep, and uh, and you know I I love the adult versions of those characters. And, and I mean, there's so much there that is really was like, okay, this is moving the story forward, and then we get to you know, a, a layman's remake of, of End of Evangelion with, with the happy ending. And, uh, I, and I, you know, I know the fandom, I, I mean, I, I, there, I, I know people wept, you know, at, at that ending, you know, and, and it's because, you know, these are characters that people are very passionate about, they grew up with them, so, so seeing them happy for a lot of people is, is very impactful. And so I'm not trying to take that experience away from the fans it's just for me it's you know okay i mean the the whole oh rewriting reality trope i mean that's been done to death in anime and comic books and and it was done better in the manga the yeah, sadamoto manga and and yeah. it, so i mean you're already getting into a trope there and then he winds up with mari which is idiotic and a bunch of the characters he doesn't include in his new reality cuz he's a jerk i guess and yeah. uh and and I don't know it it just I see why that ending is so important to people like they love these characters they they like that Shinji is finally happy they like that Anno is finally happy I'm happy that Anno is happy you know I I I I think he's a genius work a uh, 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 creator you know but I'm not going to kiss his ass and then pretend everything he does is perfect and that's part of this is is uh, he gave the ending the fans wanted the fans seemed to like it but I don't know. It, it didn't. It didn't so much work for me on that level. Um, and then, I think, yeah, good, sorry. Oh, oh, well, I, I, I was just gonna say that, and that, that kind of just goes with what I was saying about sometimes 
the thing that pleases everybody isn't always the most interesting thing. Yeah, I guess sort of expanding on the point, or pretty much all of us liked, the, you know, the Survivor's Village, you know, portion of the movie. I, um, <laughs> I really would have liked to have seen this movie essentially continued along those lines, sort of like this rejection. So, like, a, a sort of a, a proper, like, narrative rejection of what Evangelion was, right? So, like, this idea is like, oh, it's the big... You know, the, the, the solution to fixing the Evangelion world is to get the right pieces, the right Evangelion pieces together to find the magic thing that, like, magically fixes everything. And I kind of was preferring that instead it was more along the lines of, no, all of this, all of this silver bullet seeking and this moonshot chasing business is not how you fix it's like that's not how you fix society it's not how you fix it's not how you fix the Ava universe that the message at the end is is that it's like normal people working together doing the hard boring work of building and maintaining society and that a just a basically just saying like look this this impact business it didn't save humanity it all failed just that that doesn't exist anymore and that maybe you center this movie around the technology that like removes the L fields. I thought, I think this movie like with no Evangelions in it at all would have been really interesting. And mm-hmm. that, that is like the goodbye, like the, Oh, it's a goodbye. All Evangelions thing or whatever that this like movie is hyped up with. It's like, it's already over. Like you think that like, you're going to have this big climactic send off to the Avas. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's already happened. Avas are already done for like already irrelevant to what it's going to take to actually fix this world. There is no silver bullet. There is no there is no anti universe where you've got the magic thing that fixes everything. You yeah. know. Is it weird that the movie makes a whole big deal about Gendo's decision to abandon Shinji because he feels like he's not good enough and then they give Misato that same story, but they don't let her resolve that. They just give her this hero's kind of kamikaze death. And we, it, you know, it makes a big deal about how that was Gendo's mistake, but I, but like, it's not satisfying for Misato to go out. But I mean, it's I, I do kind of think it's very in character of her to be like, I know I haven't been there, but this is the best I can do for you. But but I mean, I like it's weird that they set up a character as a villain for doing that and then treat another character as if like, oh, that's just how she is, you know. It, maybe if Gendo had let Shinji think he was dead, he would have been better. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so I, yeah, we're, we're kind of on the same page here, so, um, uh, I, I'll, I'll start and go ahead with, uh, when I first saw this movie, um, I watched it twice, uh, the first time I was really kind of riding high off recency, the recency bias thing and, like, the stuff that worked for me, I gave it a four, second watch, I, I, I parted it down to a three and a half, the things that work for me I really like so much that it gives it that kind of bump <clears throat> but the things that i don't like are not very satisfying either so i'm gonna land it like 
slightly above, you know, your average three for this. Uh, Matt, how about you? Yeah, so the the stuff that I liked, I really liked, but I really think that the ending, and, and Mari's character specifically, bothered me enough that, like, it just sort of zapped some of the, all the things I thought it had going for it. So, I still liked it. Uh, I'm coming in at a three, um, but I didn't love it. Uh, all right, Josh, where are you? Yeah, similarly, similarly, I you know liked liked a good portion of the first half of it. I really saw no reason to relitigate End of Evangelion, but they did it anyway. <laughs> um, I cared less about Gendo in this version of the story than I did before, and I really and it was it was. It was up against a very tough competition of Kendo's punishment at the end of the manga, dying right before right before instrumentality, so he, that he wouldn't be part of it was like so perfect um, that you could have a you could have this crappy ending for him that you could almost sympathize with him a bit, but you also felt like yeah, but you sort of deserved it. Um, you weren't. I don't think they were going to do better than that. They did decent, but and I, and like I said, I like the character resolution. Uh, you know, I I think that they should have gone with their heart and just not had Mary in this movie. Um, uh, but uh, alas and alack, um, I'd say I'd say that I was I up until this moment was ready to give it a two point five, but I don't I don't think I disliked it enough for that. I think a three is probably more fair. All right, Kevin, what do you give this? Uh, how many boring adult salaryman Shinjis do you give this out of five? I mean, that that kind of is, like, a, a thing with the whole, like, movie is this is about growing up, and it, from that perspective, it becomes more boring. When you think about how, like, raw and, like, all of the, like, weird sex stuff that's in End of Evangelion, and it's just, like, now nah, he's an adult now, yeah. so, like, we're not doing that anymore, and it's just, like, oh, well, that's, I feel like that's, it's just not as... Uh, as as interesting when when it's going about this way, so I will probably be the harshest of of everyone. I'd say maybe you know there's there's stuff that I like, but you know it's it's probably a two or two and a half. Okay. the The ending for this is very similar to the manga, where Shinji restores the world, and the 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 the, the last thing in the in the in the manga is like he's at the train station waiting to like go into uh, to his I guess college or something and like he sees his old friends and, and Asuka's there and stuff like that. And well it's just, even more than that he like he likes a girl like trips and falls out of the like is falling out of the train car and he grabs the girl's hand and it's Asuka. Yeah. And so like there's it's it's one of those like oh you know a sudden a sudden clasping of the hands of meeting you know meeting like this is like this big traumatic oh it's Oscar that and sounds then it better sort of leaves off there <laughs> yeah um so I like uh let's just take a moment to reflect on the entire rebuild experience and I don't know I I probably have the most to kind of get off my chest here so I'll kind of start and and. Kind of, kind of see where you guys are. So, I had no interest in watching these, and then you know the hype for the fourth one, and my whole like, oh, I'll just watch all of them when the fourth one comes out, and then the podcast all kind of was like, okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll do it. Um, uh, and 
uh, overall, it's like... Did, I don't know that the this set of films was worth the, like... The, I mean, uh, George W. Bush was the president when the first one came out. I, I mean, all this time, and this is what we're left with. As an, and all four of these f- movies have a lot of things that are rewarding to the viewer. They also have their negatives. It's a, it's really a mixed bag for me. And so, like in hindsight, do I feel like I was miss? And this is like as probably like I mean. Aside from maybe Josh, because I know I've talked to Kevin and Matt a lot, I mean, between at least the three of us, I am like the Eva guy. You know, uh, my adoration for for the original show and End of Evangelion, like, is huge. And so as, like, someone that loves Evangelion so much, do I feel like I was missing anything after all those years that I was behind and hadn't watched them? Like it kind of hurts to say it, but like I really don't. Um, and and as a viewer, I mean, I I don't think the storytelling is quite there. I mean, we talked about the issues with having to compact everything into feature length, but I mean, just the rules are uh, are like it doesn't know what the rules. Okay, at uh, the end of episode two, and you know, uh, uh, episode two. <laughs> Thinking about Star Wars, which actually is relevant here, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But and and the the third movie, like, <clears throat> uh, okay, the rules are different, except when they're not, you know. So wh- why are so many rules thrown out the window? And then there's so much that I think is predicated on us knowing the rules and the storyline of the first one. Like, okay, the mom's souls aren't in the Evas, I guess. That's the assumption I had, but then at the end of four, Shinji's mom's soul like emerges from his Ava and like frees him. Okay, uh, like Futsuki in this like the implication in the original series is oh he also kind of had a thing with Yui. That's why he's into instrumentality. But like in this, he's just like okay, he's a guy that does stuff because reasons. Like uh, you know. Okay, the Spears can rewrite reality in this. Uh, okay, but they also can still neutralize Eva's, and, you know, a bunch of the Spears can still be together and be wielded and not rewrite reality. Like, so it's like, okay, pick a lane, man. Like, is this different, or do I need... Is this a different thing that I can understand without the show, or do I need to understand the show? Like, pick, pick one. And so that was frustrating for me. And uh, that's why if 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 this if if this is still kind of meant to be something that's digestible for new fans, I I think it fails. Um, and I, I mean, a big thing for me is also like, man, Anno's on about like, oh, I want to give this the ending to fix the other end. It's like I don't think that Eva didn't need fixing, man. Like, I, and and to me, so much of the 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 rebuilds is like okay you're you're throwing more money at it and but you're also like this is a way more like this isn't like a confrontational transgressive series like the show was you're you're also taking the teeth out of it you're you know you're you're sanding the edges down and giving it you know this shiny coat of 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 sheen and it's like I I want my I want Eva to be 
dirty and fucked up and weird. Like I like I that that's that's what makes it what it is. And and I like I expect Evangelion to not make sense and have a lot of questions and not explain things. Like I am fine with that. I want to clarify that. Like that's part of the Eva experience. That's part of what makes the original series so frustrating in a fun way. And it's where here it's it seems like it's more just okay, we don't know what we want to do because we're trying to satisfy everybody, you know, we're we're trying to satisfy um uh the fans of uh the show that thought the show got too weird and we're also trying to satisfy the fans that thought the sh- that liked the weird stuff in the show uh we want to satisfy people that like the sur- surrealist stuff the mystery uh but we also are trying to f- satisfy people who want it to be more straightforward where we want old fans new fans and in the in in the result is kind of this mixed bag of like mush <laughs> to me and it's 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 like you know he said this was the end but he's already backtracking on that oh we might do a thing about the 14 years in between you never know and it's like i i really worry that anno is getting the george lucas disease where it's like he has this weird psychosis where like he can't just stop touching it even when these movies make the leap from theaters to DVD, he's going in, making changes, and it's like, you know, I, and I just think of, like, you know, I, people that know me know I, I, you know, I'll make fun of George Lucas or the prequels or whatever, but, like, George Lucas, I, I love George Lucas because of what he created, and I think of what we were probably robbed in his sick (laughs) obsession with going back and just, turning his whole career into Star Wars when we probably could have gotten a ton of more imaginative stuff from him, and I don't want to see Anno do that, and, you know, I, I'm not I'm not in the, sh- oh, he should do Shin Gamera gang, I'm not, like, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, it's cool that he's able to do Godzilla, Ultraman, Kamen Rider, all these things that he's a fan of, but it's like, Okay, are you gonna? Right now, he's franchise hopping and trying to fix some something that wasn't broken, in my opinion. And the original Eva is very rough around the edges. It's not perfect, but those imperfections are what I like about it. It's the same thing where, like, I don't want John Carpenter to go back and remake Halloween with two hundred million dollars. The the things about that movie that are rough around the edges, you know flubbed you know some acting that's not the best like that's part of what that movie is it's part of why i like it you know to to give a music comparison like when i go listen to my favorite heavy metal and punk rock albums from the 70s and 80s that were made for like five bucks and the only thing these guys were eating were snickers bars because they were poor i want them to sound like they were recorded in a garbage can it's it's part of the it's part of the personality of the work, and I, I kind of feel like the rebuilds lo- lose a lot of that for me. I, I like, uh, like most of my favorite movies are things that have some effects problems, or have some bad acting, or have some pacing issues. Like, they're shaggy, and the original Eva is shaggy, and that's part of why I think it, it's cool. And more money doesn't make it better, and... I don't want Anno to be George Lucas, and that's that. And so, uh, uh, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I will step <laughs> down from my soapbox now and let you guys kind of, kind of, kind of talk about how you feel about how this whole four film project wound up. Those are my thoughts. 
I mean, along the, the, the George Lucas comparison, like, I think that, the, you know, we talk about the art from adversity with George Lucas, and there's definitely, like, there are elements of that in Evangelion as well. Like, Anno didn't want to use Cruel Angel's thesis for the opening. And if you think about that now, like, the, 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 the most iconic anime opening, perhaps, of all time. Yeah. Nationally, <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah. There's I serendipity mean, there. Sometimes these really weird creators, like Lucas, is a weird guy. Anno's a weird guy. Their imaginations are way out there. Sometimes they need to be like talked down. You don't want to let these guys do everything <laughs> that they want to do. Sometimes their handy them being handicapped or 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 something is is, is you know something that helps them too. That's the thing, and that goes into, you know, oh, you can't just throw more money at, in, at stuff. It, I mean, it is interesting just from a, a standpoint of, like, his development as a filmmaker. Like, I don't, you know, if, if it hadn't been for the rebuilds, I don't think we would have gotten a Shin Godzilla. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, yeah. his, his current success is very much predicated on having this, you know, sort of continued behemoth of, of Evangelion. Uh, through the rebuilds that, you know, it might have just kind of fizzled uh, yeah. out somewhat. Well, yeah, I um, mean, nowadays, between the rebuilds and Shin Godzilla, like, it, Anno, like, his name prints money. I'm I'm convinced mm-hmm. the only reason people deal with his bullshit is because they know that he'll make a hit for them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, in, in, in Kare Kano times, that, that was not a certainty, and, and he, he had a string of, you know, uh, like, ritual and love and pop and, and cutie honey that like people just kind of like shrugged off for yeah. the most part so uh, um yeah um from from that perspective like i'm i'm definitely grateful for for the for the rebuilds and then then you know just lots of lots of fun stuff that came out around them you know like the mm-hmm. evangelion store and and the rides and and you know all of the ancillary crap that I and, I and love the memes. Well, yeah, the memes. <laughs> um, um, all right, yeah, Josh, how do you feel like this whole whole experiment panned out in the end? So, um, for the for the tiny bit of background, I I first I did not watch Evangelion when it first came out on VHS in the states. I I pretty much, but I but it wasn't long after that. I mean, I watched it when it was on Toonami, so probably early two thousands. I mean, by the time it was sometime. It was sometime before college. I'm pretty sure. So I remember when I remember when the first remake rebuild movie came out as Sekiro itself. This doesn't seem particularly necessary. I mean, from the very beginning, I, that's how I felt about about you know the rebuild series. And I got to you know for the first movie, it's like, well, this is nice though. I'll admit this was nice. I'm, I don't think I'll ever. I don't. I wasn't thinking I would hate it. You know, it, it just was like, yeah, this is this is a bit unnecessary. It's been sort of soon after the fact. I I actually, Evangelion is not like my favorite series of all time. It's not even my favorite Anno directed series. You know, that's Gunbuster, whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it is like, it. I, I can look at that and say like, yeah, that, that this is an excellent anime. You know, this is a fantastic anime, and it has its warts. Those, as you said, the the warts, the warts are part of what makes it great. Um, uh, and try, sort of like trying to file a lot of that off, 
um, I don't think was to its benefit. And then I think it really just kind of, it really kind of overthinks itself in the end. I hated the, I absolutely hated the third movie, but like, I don't feel personally slighted by it. I, I thought that the ending, the very end of the fourth movie was a mixed bag, but then ended on like a super awkward note. And again, it's like, well, that's just, that just is what it is, I guess. I, um, on the whole, I thought it was, it was all right. I guess that was part of the thing was, it was you know whether you liked the way End of Evangelion wrapped things or not. It was such a just a dynamite you never you'll never forget it kind of experience. You know, End of Evangelion is really like this wild, extremely formative moment in most like anime fans. You know, like. Uh, uh, you know, like watch history. Like, you know, it's like you'll never forget where you were the first time you watched End of Evangelion. You know, I think what would theoretically make revisiting a controversial or well-known franchise interesting is to have someone else have a different take on it. As un, as potentially unpopular as that could be, I'd like to see someone else interpret Evangelion. Maybe, maybe not have Ano do that. Maybe not have Tetsuya Nomura be the one who directs Final Fantasy VII Remake. These, this isn't what's going to happen because at the end of the day, these things need to do crazy numbers because of the expectations behind what those remakes entail. But I think they would have been a lot more interesting if someone else was at the helm. You know, that was pretty meandering. But basically, I didn't <laughs> like the rebuild. <laughs> uh, no, so. I have to want like I'm not I'm not the Ava guy. I, I think I I obviously can recognize what the contributions were to anime, how it affected both, you know, anime in the United States, but obviously Ano's huge following in Japan. But it's never been like my bag the way that some other people like it. But I, I appreciate the the the, for the T V series, I appreciate it in the Ava. And I wonder how I'd feel about this the the rebuilds <clears throat> if I were like a super fan. Because if you waited eight years from the, you know, from the end of part three to, to now, and this was the payoff. I don't, I don't think I like it too much. So while I really like the first two films, um, didn't love the third and the fourth is, and it's okay. I mean, like it's not, it's not the worst thing, but I, I do think it's uneven. And I think there's two questions like how much you enjoy it and was it worth it? I don't know if it was worth it. Yeah. And I don't know if I was a super fan, I would think this was worth it. Even though I can appreciate some of the stuff that it did. How as the closest thing on I mean there's obviously way bigger Eva fans than me but as the closest thing to a super fan on this podcast like I didn't feel like you know as much as each movie has things that I love about them things to enjoy overall I can't say that I felt like I was missing out all the years I didn't watch them and they're fine but if someone came up to me and was like, hey, uh, this Evangelion stuff, what should I watch? I would say, watch the series, watch End of Evangelion, and then, I, you know, I... I Read the manga! <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't tell them they need to watch these. I, I mean, if, if they do watch them, it's what, like nine hours or something of their time that they probably won't hate. They'll probably be entertained... But it's also nine hours that they could watch something else. So as a reboot slash remake slash sequel, it's like all of those things in in, in one is kind of unnecessary. And it, it, it kind of is up there with like, 
it's a serviceable extension of the original, but you're not missing anything by not watching that. It's like, you know, oh, you, you really like Fright Night? If you like Fright Night that much, I guess you can watch Fright Night 2 and you won't hate yourself, but hey man, you like also Fright don't Night. need to be watching Fright Night 2. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it, just, it just joins the club with a long line of unnecessary remakes and sequels to me. Uh, it's inoffensive and entertaining, but yeah, it's not something you need to go check out. So that that's that's how I feel. Sorry. Yeah, man. I, th- I think we're all on the same page there. There were there were battles were fought, but we wound up in the same in the same boat here. Um, so yeah, this is definitely our longest episode ever. <laughs> I don't think there's even, even if I cut some stuff out, there's no way I'm going to get this, uh, to be not our longest episode. So let's, let's just get out of here. Thank everyone for listening. Uh, Josh and Kevin, thank you for joining us. Um, and, uh, yeah, take, take it easy, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.